Hayes, Lauren, and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride. Happy President's Day. If you're having the day off today, hope you're listening to a little radio while you do. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carlion. Lauren Brooks and R.J. Saunders with you as we get set for a Monday installment of the program. The Daytona 500 starts about an hour. Monday, 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 Monday racing. You I covered, like stroke did, a race. Did you ever cover it when? Uh, <laughs> you ever cover it? You covered it, right? I actually didn't. You didn't I, I thought on Saint All you covered it. No, I didn't. I covered uh one of I covered it at the time it was called the Pepsi 400, the July 4th race back in like, I think, oh. I think I won. Uh, So that was, for whatever reason, that was the only one that I was ever asked to attend, probably because I know nothing about the sport. Same. Same. I covered one uh, also. Abundantly clear. And uh, and thankfully, we had enough staffers that that knew it inside and out. So uh, I was only dispatched there one time. It was not for the Daytona 500. Um, And uh, it was in Daytona. That counts. It was in Daytona. But uh, it was the one it was and it was a it was a great race. It was, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. won. It was the race. It was the first race in Daytona after his father had passed. Right. So, uh, yeah, but it so I I don't have it. It was good memory. But uh, just because I always felt like I if they could find somebody, I was happy to do it. But if they could find somebody else, that would be better. (laughs) Did did, did you you were not a fan at all as a kid at all? No. Were you ever? Did you ever follow? Uh, I mean, everyone knows I didn't, but I didn't. Yeah, you, no, no, that was not a, a sport that we watched in my household growing up. And yeah. I've only ever been to one race. I went to a truck race. Yeah, which I didn't know until I, I got see you there. At a truck. That... Did you see Brooks at a truck race? <laughs> I can see you at a truck race. <laughs> I learned that like a truck race is different than the other races. I yeah, no you know, idea. you know the difference. They use trucks. Right. Yes. That's, that's I like learned that when I was there. See, uh, see, I even without going, I figured that part out. <laughs> So yeah, it was fun the one time I went, but it, yeah. it's not. A, I think it is a sport you kind of have to grow up around it to really understand. Uh, but if I asked you who was the NASCAR Cup champion last year, do you all know? Yeah, Jimmy Johnson. Good guess. No. Stroke race. Richard Petty. <laughs> you want to keep guessing? Bobby Allison. Ryan Blaney. Ah. Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney. Wouldn't I, be able to I identify think I've him heard of him. walked into the station. <laughs> I think I've heard of Ryan Blaney. Yeah. I'm not sure that I have. Yeah. Okay. And this isn't a knock on right. NASCAR. Right. Like, I can barely put gas in my car. <laughs> right. So, I'm just not a car guy at all. We right. were watching before the Florida Georgia men's basketball game. Marty and McGee was on, and ah. they had Ryan Blaney on, and oh. Marty was interviewing him, and Ryan told a funny st- or Marty told a funny story about Ryan. He was like, yeah, I saw you uh, in one of the clubs in the airport, in the Charlotte airport, Admirals Club, something like that, right. Some one of the – highfalutin clubs and marty's like i saw ryan and it was great and ryan was going out with his girlfriend out to washington as it turns out ryan proposed to his girlfriend out in Ah. washington and didn't tell marty when he saw him in the airport and so marty was like why didn't you tell me and he's like you don't tell people that like you don't want a secret to get out and he was like but it was great that i saw you there because this is ryan blaney talking I'm not a member of the Admirals Club, so oh, I needed Marty to get me in. So anyway, that's how I know who won the NASCAR. Uh, well, there you go. I uh, I didn't know that. Uh, my favorite ever NASCAR story, I've told it many times, when Baloo Blaylock and I were doing a show together, and Baloo used to ask the trivia questions. It's one of the greatest moments of all time in, in Frangie Show history. And Baloo asked uh, the three of us, uh, okay, your question is, how many Winston Cup titles did, uh, did Dale Earnhardt win? I think it was Earnhardt. I think it was, it was, I think it was Dale Earnhardt. And we went around the room. I forget who was producing then. It might have been Hacker. I think Hacker might have been producing the show then. And uh, I said seven. 
Okay. Acker said eight. And Blaylock said 53. <laughs> <laughs> and we lost it. But she was going to stand her ground. I said, no. How many? Britt goes, Jessica, how many? He goes, she was 53. So we had, we, well, I think the number was six, seven, eight. I don't know what it was. One of us got it right. <laughs> looked at Blaylock, and she was so proud that she had Googled, and she she found races, by God, but she wasn't backing off. So her answer was, no matter what you try to do, her 53. <laughs> so there it goes, one of our funniest moments ever. And so that was one of our favorite Blaylock moments ever, 53. That's how many, how many races. So I uh, know we don't know a whole lot about NASCAR, but the race is uh, uh, going to commence today at 4 o'clock after all. There is a lot of rain over the weekend. We did a uh, Loser Monday 500 one time. We did do it. I'm, I'm, and I my guy lost, I think. He crashed oh, at the end. You're right. I think we did it twice. One I think crashed. we did it two years. One it was in the middle. You're right. Of, it was at midnight. I escaped one year. When my guy crashed at lost. midnight, yeah. yeah. My horse on the got final disqualified lap. one time. Yeah, and then, yeah, right. right. <laughs> and then I think, I can't remember. The but time, yeah, I'd the, forgotten I about that. I think I lost one of them. Maybe. The time we did it, my, my guy had two crashes early. Yeah, that's right, because we picked two. That's right. My guy crashed. One went right down to the final. And it was at night. They and were, it was at night. Yeah, and just, then the other one was sort of over. I'll just, I stayed up till midnight to watch my guy crash with a lap to go. <laughs> yeah. I remember that part. So whoever my guy I'm glad I think they were smart. I'm glad that has been expunged from the Loser Monday rotation. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, I think they were smart to move it when they did, right? Because yeah. a lot of times they'll make people wait around, and then they'll start the race, and then they'll stop the race, and then they end up finishing at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I think they were smart. Move it to today when there was no rain, and now it's a beautiful day. All right. So we got a lot to talk about today. On the program, we will talk uh, probably not that, but we certainly will touch on uh, – <laughs> Um, I got a lot of. We've already hit the over. We uh, have hit the over. What uh, I what I set the line at for we'll, auto racing. We'll we'll talk college basketball. Hayes hit it right on the head. Florida found a way to beat Georgia in a close game. I thought Georgia would upset him. Lauren thought Florida would roll him. Uh, bottom line is uh, Florida found a way to win the game. We'll certainly talk about that. And Florida ranked in the top twenty-five. What a job Todd Golden's done taking that program I'm, look, to a ranked team. This is, we'll get to all this obviously, yeah. but but a storyline to monitor. I don't know that the South Carolina coach is a lock now for coach yeah. of the year. Yeah. They're falling. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they are starting to yeah. plummet. They had a bad loss at home to LSU yep. after getting smoked by Auburn. And so if Todd Golden finishes finishes this thing strong, uh, gets to like 12-4 and four in the league, he, which is not out of the realm of possibility. No, it's not. He, he might be, get SEC coach of the year. He, right. They're 8-4 and four right now. You're exactly right about that. So we'll certainly talk about that coming up in the program. Today. So we'll talk some college basketball. Uh, I did get a chuckle out of how newsworthy many in the national media, not around here, how newsworthy many in the national media thought the Ridley compensation was. Did oh, you, tell me about did, it. Did, 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 you, did you notice that on Twitter all weekend long? The breaking news? It's so ridiculous. I mean, it, it's, it's and, like, I'm, and, I'm not, and I'm not someone that typically will criticize national media, and I yeah. don't mean it as such, but it was. I got a chuckle out of the fact that the yeah. breaking news right. was the compensation yeah. that – Everybody pretty right. much is known around here since, oh, I don't know, when the season ended. Well, this is breaking from Adam Schefter right now. The Jaguars <laughs> have drafted Taven Bryant. <laughs> okay, so there you go. So uh, I got a Yeah, I, I don't get how – and it seems like we're the only market that this happens in. Yeah. Like, it's something that's been known for nearly a year. I somehow becomes breaking news on a dead weekend in the NFL. Like, it, it doesn't – it's almost like it's insulting because it's like – don't you know that this has been completely covered and addressed? But I guess not. I, and I'm kind of like you. I almost tweeted in another breaking news 
Doug Peterson has been hired as the Jaguars <laughs> football coach. Uh, I got a kick out of that, so uh, we'll talk about that. I want to start with some NFL. I want to talk about free agent quarterbacks. I got a thought or two about free agent quarterbacks. That's, that's how we'll start the program. College baseball, the news, the Florida Gators 0-1, by the way. The 0-1 Florida Gators come to town tomorrow. We'll get to see them against UNF. Uh, UNF splits their doubleheader with Delaware. JU sweeps the doubleheader against Cincinnati. And we'll talk some college basketball as well. So all that coming up. The NBA All-Star Game, I got a thought about that, such as it was. Uh, Matt Hayes had a fun topic on Saturday down south, best combo coaches. We'll explain what that means. That comes up in a bit as well. we got a lot of stuff to do, and i got to ask you. My man T-Wig told me about it. Have you guys watched The Greatest Night of Pop on oh, Netflix? So good. You watched it? Yeah. I mean, I had I, did, I, I just didn't know about it. it, I, it did, I knew nothing about yeah, it. Yeah. I was, was a child when We Are the World came out. Yeah. So I found it fascinating. Yeah. What 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 does a Netflix subscription cost? <laughs> four dollars. Okay. Know. It's not much. Okay. Because because if it's four dollars, it's probably more than four dollars. It's, it's more it's than not, four dollars. But it's but not it's, gonna. But if it's four dollars, it, it shouldn't be money you miss. I'm gonna give Brooks a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then we're gonna start a. a, a we're gonna have Lauren Victoria. Yeah. We are an NIL to get one because. How, you you have to watch this. Is music you have Netflix? Don't you? No, you, I don't have Netflix. Is oh, music wow. inclined as you are? You have to. Watch so you, it. I will watch it. I have never. Had it. I've had it in the past. Steal the sub, the, the sign in from somebody. Do <laughs> I, something. I will watch it. I will watch it. You, I had never heard anything about it until you tweeted. But about you know it. all about the we are the world. The the night when everybody came together yeah, to yeah. sing that song. Yes. But, I had it, no idea it was in one night. No, no in oh, the okay. night, I knew in, nothing in, about any of it. Me neither. Other than the song and that the song, oh, okay. the the song was and, for right, and uh, so. to benefit famine in Africa. But if you love eighties music, I'm a seventies music guy. But if you love eighties music, kind of like you, it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, it was it, really fun. I mean, to it watch, was yeah. really really good. To, it's one. But of, if you don't like eighties music, well, you will love this though. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, it's, but, it's but it's not just eighties music. No, I'll watch it. Yeah, I'm telling you, it is. It it was fantastic. I have a lot of respect, more respect for Lionel Richie. Me too. Having watched it, yeah, yeah. Oh, no question. I mean, I mean, Lionel Richie, whether you liked his pop or not, was a, was a megastar in many yeah. ways. But he was fantastic in this thing, right? He and was, he wins like six awards in a ceremony he's hosting the same wow. night. The same night that it, they do. It. I it's mean, absolutely amazing. And he's the ringleader, right? Of all of it. I mean, it was. It yeah. really was yeah. incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, so 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 you have to watch. And again, T Wig, thank you for that, my buddy T Wig. Uh, called me, and I was tired. I didn't pick it up. Called me again the next day. Said, if you don't pick it up, I'm going to come kneecap you. Now I answered, <laughs> answered the dang phone, and I answered it, and, and and he told me all about it, and it was really good stuff. And it was, I mean, it was just fantastic. And we'll talk all about that today on the program. A lot of things to get to. I can't wait to get started on a Monday. Glad you're with us. Let's start with free agent quarterbacks. That's our topic as we kick it off. We'll talk some NFL. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. This was the final product, and everybody's heard this, and that was all the big stars of the 80s. If you, if you, and they, they were all on it. I mean, if you, if you, if you had a song in the 80s, it when it went to number one, you were you were in that room that night. Pretty amazing. It, it was really more notable for who like wasn't in there. Yeah, like yeah. they talked about Madonna and Cyndi Lauper, and Lionel was basically like, I felt like we could only really have one of them. Yeah. So we picked Cyndi. Right. Um, because right. they, you know, there were certain rivalries. Yeah. Prince didn't show up even though he was invited. And they, they waited. He kind of had something going with Michael Jackson. Right. They, they were they were rivals, and they had Sheila E. 
she thinks just to try and get friends there. Right. That's what Which, she said. Uh, newsflash. Yes, that's why you were invited. <laughs> that's right. This, this is the, you're hearing the We Are the World uh, legendary song from the 80s to raise money for famine in Africa. USA for Africa was the movement. And uh, and so uh, the, the, the greatest night of pop is all about it. It's really amazing. Song. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good 90-minute pop. Yeah, so, so, you know, so really ought to check it out if you get a chance. We'll talk more about it as we go along. Um, we want to thank our friends from the Best Bet. You were under that Best Bet sign, weren't you? The Best Bet Fun Zone sign? Yes, we all were, we all really. Were. But uh, You had a tweet. There was a great picture. You tweeted out the picture. Oh, thanks. Yeah, on Friday I realized uh, we didn't have any pictures of the three of us taken, so I just yeah. went ahead and took a picture. And, uh, yeah, the Best Bet Fun Zone was a great place to be on Thursday and Friday. And certainly uh, what a fantastic tournament, I thought, Frank. Uh, your staff and you did such a phenomenal job. I think every single person who was out there just loved it. And I know that's just uh, the beginning for yeah. Fort Family. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate that. Our staff did a great job. Uh, 12 softball teams, 12 baseball teams. We moved everything up to Friday because the that weather was, was coming. And Saturday, Sunday weather was, was miserable. Sunday really bad, by the way. But so um, we got everything in on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and we really appreciate uh, people that came out there. And our friends at Best Bet, among the many sponsors, who sponsored areas out there. We were in the Best Bet Fun Zone the last two days. We always thank the Best Bet. They're always our Monday sponsor, by the way. Um, so uh, we want to invite you to get out there. By the way, get in on the action of the $30,000 guarantee, $300 No Limit Hold'em uh, St. Augustine Championship. Now, that comes up on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, at the Best Bet St. Augustine right there off of I-95. The Best Bet, always a Monday sponsor around here. Uh, let's start with Ridley. For people that don't know, Calvin Ridley was traded to the Jags from the Falcons. The way the deal works, Hayes, is of what's left of that deal. Hang on, I'm writing this down. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> it is breaking news. Uh, essentially, if the Jags sign Calvin Ridley before the league year begins, um, it's a second-round pick, 48th overall. If uh, he becomes a true free agent, then even if they sign him or don't sign him after that, it is a third-round pick. That is not exactly news, but that seemed to – make its way as if it was over the course of the weekend. What was the middle thing again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's – it's. I don't know why – again, I really don't know why this happens because it, it happens a lot with Jaguar news. Now, the Ridley thing is unique because it of, is. you know, the, the inner workings of the trade and everything, but it just seems like this kind of stuff happens all the time where it's like something will happen, the news will break, everybody knows about it here. And then, like, somehow months later, it becomes a, a story. And this is this is the prime example of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's pretty clear. They're not going to give up the second-round pick, nor should they. So they're either going to come to an agreement with Josh Allen before the tag deadline and then apply the tag to Ridley, uh, or they're just going to – Ridley's going to hit the market. And they're going to have to hope, if they choose to, and it seems like they do, uh, Trent Baalke gushes over Calvin Ridley – why I'm not quite sure, but um, you know, but talked very glowingly of him, uh, and when he met with reporters, you know, four months after the season ended, and uh, you know, I think in in looking at it, it's uh, you know, I I think you you're at a little bit of a vulnerability because anytime there's Atlanta's not going to bid on him, but anytime there's 30 other clubs, uh, that they're going to have money. A lot of these teams have tons of money. Uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's it's a risk to have him hit the market. I think they'd be better off, uh, obviously, to do the deal with Josh Allen, not for any reasons of Calvin Ridley. That's just more of a of a supplemental positive reason. But they should, like the Josh Allen deal, should be done. I, I'm I still can't believe that 
they're going to take this to what appears to be, well, we're going to tag them, and then maybe we'll work a deal out in the summer. I mean, that's garbage. That's garbage business, in my opinion, to treat him like that. Uh, it, but again, so, but the, the other positive to getting the deal done and having this day of celebration where you sign Josh Allen to a huge deal and you reward him for rewriting your, your franchise record book when it comes to getting after the quarterback is then you apply the tag to Ridley, and that does allow you to just have something in place so that you can do a deal with him on a similar timeline that you did with Evan Ingram. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I, they, can have, they can talk about gentlemen's agreements and all that that they want, but when you've got 30 other clubs and they're going to be, you know, talking to Ridley's agent next week in Indianapolis and, and saying, look, you know, I don't know what kind of, you know, handshake, you know, deal you have with, with Trent, but I can tell you from our end, you know, he's interested in what would be the – I mean, Calvin Ridley is going to get substantially paid if he is a free agent because I don't think T. Higgins is going to hit the market. Uh, and there's other receivers out there that I'm not sure at the top of that list are going to actually uh, become available. So I think at worst-case scenario, you're talking about Ridley being the second or third best receiver available on the market. Well, if that's the case – he is going to get big-time money, so the Jaguars are going to have to be prepared, if they want him, to beat that. It's almost like people weren't paying attention to the fact that the Jaguars only have one franchise tag, like every other NFL team, and the Jaguars have two players that they could potentially place the franchise tag on, Josh Allen and Kelvin Ridley. And I was wondering if, yeah, Ridley's agent was like, let's go ahead and send a little message out to, to the other teams. The Jaguars can only pick one of these two players, so if they're going to franchise tag Josh Allen – and that's the way they've at least made it sound. That's what I thought. I do think this, from everything I'm told, and I believe being around it as much, Cal, like Josh Allen, maybe not quite as much, I do believe Calvin Ridley wants to be on this team. I don't think he wants a third team in three years, given all he's been through, the suspension, the stuff. I do think he wants to be on this team. I believe that. Now, you're right, Hayes. That doesn't mean a whole lot when money starts flying around. I know that. And Particularly you, if it's the Chiefs. Yeah. yeah and it's an opportunity to play for Mahomes. No question. No question. So when, when money gets flying around, that could change significantly. But I do think he wants to be on the team. I think, I think there is some truth to that. But you're right, and I do think the team wants him back. The cleanest way to do this is sign Josh Allen and then have the, the tag at your disposal if you need it to make sure you have Ridley too. That's the cleanest way to do it. We all, we all, that's been out there. And then it's a third-round pick instead of a second-round pick. Because he's a free agent. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could be on the franchise tag. You're still a free agent. If, you're, if, you, if you make the league year as a free agent, it's a third-round pick. They're not getting out of the third-round pick. That's right. going to Atlanta. Right, right. So the only question is, you, will it be a second? It won't be a second, but you, that's the variable that you is You wouldn't think you'd give up 48 overall if you can find a way with, with – the rules being what they are to not do it. I don't think they were planning on giving it up when they yeah. thought the pick was going to be somewhere in the late 50s, early 60s, yeah, if yeah. things had gone well. Right. Yeah. I, ha I, having I, now with it being a top 50 pick, yeah, there's I, I no chance yeah, I wouldn't, I that wouldn't, it becomes a second round. Yeah, I wouldn't. I think you would, because there are mechanisms with which to avoid that, the one we just talked about, I wouldn't. I mean, a 40, the 48th overall pick could be a really good football player. You know, it will you, be. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got a draft right. It doesn't mean they'll pick the right one, right, but, but there but, will be a, a really talented guy there. Yeah, and, you, and you have a comp third right? because of the Jawan Taylor That's signing with Kansas City. So you have so, a first, second, and third. And losing the third, I mean, it, it's, it stings a bit, 
but you at least don't go a hundred picks without selecting. I but mean, it, you're, but, you're basically gonna but, instead of being somewhere in you know the yeah uh, 70s, you're gonna be you know in in somewhere in the, the mid 90s. But if last year's 70 plus catch, thousand plus yard season was him getting back into the swing of it and learning his quarterback and his offense and his teammates, and that leads to that really big year this year that we all thought might happen last year, well, then that third-round pick is well worth it. That's the point, particularly if you have a comp pick in the same round. But then it's worth it. 48 overall, you don't know. That doesn't mean 48 overall will be a more productive player than Calvin Ridley. That's not the point. That, that, people say, well, isn't Calvin Ridley better than what 48 overall would be? Yes, or quite possibly. But that's the conversation is if you have a mechanism in place that allows you to have both, you exercise it. That that's that's kind of where we are here. So I would I agree with Hayes. I'd be mostly surprised, m- most surprised if they wound up uh, losing it. We'll see. I listen. I, I've said this forever. I've said it since the season ended. I know everyone is so upset about the way the season ended and disappointed in the five losses in six games and missed the playoffs. And but the foundation here is really good. It's a really good foundation for a team to be a really good team or a pretty damn good team. But use the mechanisms in place to keep the pieces you have to keep. I hope Zay Jones is back. I hope Ridley is back. They're better when they're all there together. It's it's hard to find a core like I think they'll have with your quarterback now going into his age 25 season. Yeah, so I, I, I think you'll find a way to keep him on the team. I will say this before we go to break and then come back and talk some free agent quarterbacks. I do wonder what does happen, to your point, Hayes, if Josh, if a Josh Allen deal does not get done in the next two weeks, two and a half weeks, if the, if a Josh deal, a Josh Allen deal does not get done before the league year, then what does happen? Because then you have to, then then you have to tag him. You have no choice. You can't right. not you can't not tag Josh Allen. He Correct. has seventeen and a half. Stacks, I mean, even so. Trent Baalke is yeah. conceded that Josh yeah. Allen is going to be a yeah, Jaguar. Yeah, so, it's so, just a question of so is you, it going to be on the tag or on a new deal? So you can't not tag him. So then it really does end, and you don't want to sign Ridley, as we just said, before, before March 11th or March 13th, I guess, officially, for that, for the, because, because of the draft pick thing. So it does get very interesting. I, I think that's, jo- that's the point. Is it gets, if you don't get Josh Allen signed and if you do have to tag him, then it gets really interesting with Calvin Ridley. And by the way, that's some of the leverage Josh Allen. Calvin Ridley is some of the leverage Josh Allen has. Right? Yeah, and 17 and a half yeah. sacks. Yeah. Well, that's the old yeah. If you tag Josh Allen, I don't think Calvin Ridley is on this team next year. That's how I would – I think it's too black and white I, because of the second-round pick. Yeah. And this team has holes that they need those draft picks. Well, and to, and to Hayes' point, does someone overpay or really pay and is it an attractive team? That, 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 I mean, we, I think we all do know or do assume that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to pursue a receiver in free agency. Don't know who it's going to be. Don't know what they're going to pay, but the Chiefs got away with it this year. They got away with winning without having a good a good wide receiver room. You doubt they'll you doubt they'll risk that again next year. And Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to know the issues that Ridley had in this offense, and they're going to believe that they can fix those, right? Like they're they're not going to have any trepidation about Ridley running the wrong route. Well, and I think he fits well with what Kansas City likes to do. I think more so than the other free agents that'll pot probably be available like T Higgins is the best but no one expects him to get out of Cincinnati he'll get tagged so T Higgins would be a surprise if he's available uh Pittman to me is not the kind of receiver he doesn't doesn't run they need to give Mahomes he doesn't run so even if Pittman gets out of Indy 
Correct. I, I don't think that – I think Ridley would be better for the Chiefs. Uh, Mike Evans, if he gets out of Tampa, I mean, yeah, how could you not be interested? Uh, but then I, I think that's – I think other than, other than Evans, I don't think there's a guy that I would put, like, over Ridley. And they may look at it and – the Chiefs may look at it and, it, A, they could try and get them both. Uh, but, I mean, once you get beyond Ridley, again, you're talking about guys like Hollywood Brown, Gabriel Davis, I mean, Michael good, Thomas, yeah, Beckham. Good, yeah, good players, I mean, but, not, but not dynamic Yeah, it's not players, a great yeah, – right. I mean, you don't have to go too far down most of these lists before DJ Chark pops up. Right. So that tells you that it's not overly deep at free agents. So if Calvin Ridley is truly available – I can't imagine his agent at Indianapolis isn't going to have one or two teams whisper in his ear, "Yeah, yeah, let's 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 let him hit the market. That, that'd be good for us because uh, you know we'll go twenty four million a year. We'll keep it on uh, the NFL. We'll take a break. We come back. Uh, the age of the free agent quarterback. Where is it? Where do we stand on it? I'll uh, go through some names after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on Ten Ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Welcome back to The Frangie Show on this Best Bet Monday. Free Frangie Hayes, Carline, RJ Saunders, I am Lauren Brooks. Back in the studio all together. We were out all last week at the Brigham Baseball Complex. And all went very well out there. All right, let's get it to free agent quarterbacks. Is Kirk Cousins on the move? I'm going to give you a list. He's the number one guy out there, obviously. But he's 36. He's good. He's not great. He's the number one. Baker Mayfield. He was playing really well before he got injured. Oh, he's a good player. I mean, Kirk Cousins is a very good player. Baker Mayfield is the second best free agent quarterback out there, according to most lists. I'm reading the list right now. He's second. The list I'm reading has Ryan Tannehill third, Oof. who is an average player at best, who's also 36. I would definitely take Minshew over Tannehill. Okay. The fourth, uh, and, and Gardner Minshew's fourth on this list. You could have them either way. He's only 28, but he's fourth on the list, and Gardner's a good player. Jacoby Brissett on the list I'm looking at is fifth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Flacco's probably somewhere in there. I got Carson Wentz, six. Jameis, he didn't even play this past year. Jameis Winston, seven. He was a backup, right? Flacco, eight. Tyrod Taylor, ninth. Where's the pastronaut? <laughs> Drew Locke, tenth. Okay? So, and you could have, you could have Darnold or Dobbs. Dobbs isn't in his You could, have, you could really? have Josh oh. Dobbs or Tyler Huntley, Mariota, whoever. But you see where I'm going with this. That, that's the list of this one hour. And, again, you could, you could move some of the other names around. Mm-hmm. You could have Dobbs higher. You could have Minshew. I agree with you higher than yeah. Is the a we are quarterbacks almost have to be drafted now, or your team's not going to be any good. I mean, back in the day, you could sign a free agent quarterback, and he could lead you to a Super Bowl. And and granted, Joe Flacco was good this year toward the end of the season, but and, and of you, Hayes, I, I sat here next to you. And you predicted the minute the playoffs get here, he was going to have the meltdown. And you hoped it would be here, and it wound up being in Houston. But the point was, you could—I say I shouldn't say you could see because I couldn't see, but you're among those. You could kind of see that that was a little bit of smoke and mirrors, and it was about to happen. And that's no knock on Joe Flacco, 
But that's where we are. And, and Baker Mayfield had a wonderful year, by the way. There's no, there's no denying that. But is the age of the free agent quarterback helping the cause over? I think is the answer, yes. Now, I think a team like Atlanta, uh, who you're hearing a lot of Kirk Cousins talk about, yeah. like that makes a lot of sense for them because they've really been unique in how they've built their team. I mean, they've, they've sort of hoped on quarterback and, and invested prime resources all around the position in terms of Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Bijan Robinson. Those are all top 10 picks in a draft for offensive skill. And then they just sort of hoped that Desmond Ritter would work out as a third round selection and it didn't. So there, if I was Kirk Cousins, that's where I would go. I mean, assuming that, you know, he's ready to move on from Minnesota. Uh, Cause I think Atlanta is, they're a quarterback away from probably being the best team in that division. So, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's hard to rely on it because I mean, guys that are any good just simply aren't going to get away from their clubs. I mean, again, look at we, – we've talked about this would be the offseason that Trevor Lawrence got paid, and now it probably won't be. But that doesn't mean the Jaguars are even close to losing control over him. I mean, he's going to be going into – they're going to pick up – if they don't do a deal, they'll pick up his fifth-year option. So next year will be the fourth year of his rookie deal. The year after that would be his fifth-year option. In 2026, you tag him, and in 2027, you tag him again, and then he's really not free until 2028. So it's it's just it's so for particularly for these clubs that have invested a first round pick, and 80 percent of these cases are going to be that. I mean, you basically have seven years of control before you're in real trouble of losing your guy, and because of that, the the free agents are going to be quarterbacks that the team that drafted them gave up on, you know, Kirk Cousins, that's Washington tagged him twice. And then basically was like, okay, see ya. Uh, and he had a nice second act in Minnesota, nothing spectacular, but played probably his best football towards the end of that contract. Uh, and now he's going to get rewarded for it. But yeah, there just isn't that many guys that the guys that you named, most of those guys are former first round picks that didn't work out with their club. Baker Mayfield, Joe, I mean, Flacco worked out, but my point is he aged out. Uh, Tannehill was a first-round pick. Jameis Winston was a first-round pick. So, I mean, Mariota. So, I, I just think that's what the market's going to give you. If, if you're trying to build your team and you're counting on a free agent quarterback of consequence, you're in real trouble, which is why I was shocked that the Steelers are running it back with Pickett and Rudolph as their plan. Like, that's beyond idiotic. Totally agree. And Rudolph, by the way, is a free agent. So they got yeah. he, right now. He's not on. He's the best of the three, and he's not on the team right now. But that's the yeah. the rumor out of Pittsburgh yeah, is the Steelers I, aren't going to aggressively go yeah. after a quarterback. Yeah, I read that too. What are you crazy? Yeah, and, and 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 I and and I do think Justin Fields is getting traded to somebody. Yeah, I'm I would more agree. convinced than ever that they are going to take Caleb Williams and they're going to trade Justin Fields. I, I am. I've never been more convinced of any possible pre-draft trade than I am of that one. To take your point, Frank, a step further, you have to do what the Chiefs did. If you have a quarterback that's pretty good, which they had in Alex Smith, you still have to be on the lookout for the next great quarterback, and that's obviously when they got Mahomes. If you think, and I'm going to bring it back to Jacksonville, if you think Trevor Lawrence after this upcoming season is not the guy, you, you have to keep looking for that quarterback because otherwise you're going to end up in a situation where – 
yeah, if you don't get Kirk Cousins, that you get Minshew, or no yeah. offense to Minshew, but you get Tannehill. I mean, you can't win with those guys. This list gives me more. And by the way, your point about Mahomes wasn't Peter King's thing fantastic. Really good. Rid, did you read that mm-hmm. about about the pursuit of Patrick Mahomes and talking to the Saints? It was really. If you haven't read it, sometimes Peter King's Peter King's columns are good. They're long, <clears throat> so you better you know plan most of your morning. Particularly if you're a slow reader like I am. <laughs> But it was a uh, it was a fascinating story about how sorry keep going about how Mahomes landed in Kansas City. I was gonna say if you're a Saints fan and you yeah. woke up today and you read that, you have to be like Drew Brees. I mean, I we love you, but you ruined it for us. But I wonder if they would have taken him anyway. Yeah. I, with Drew Brees having a few years left, because he made the point, Brees ended up playing four yeah. more yeah. really good yeah, years yeah, after yeah. that, and so. they and they really liked Lattimore. It was clear yeah. they really liked. Lattimore. So I I don't know that they would have taken him in. This is good story now. Right. I don't know if they'd have taken him anyway. Correct. I, I I don't I don't sense that they would have. Are you surprised that Sean Payton told a guy like Jordan Spieth something that significant I'm when the, usually the people hold stuff the day so of close the to the draft? Vest. He probably okay. would, if it right. would have been like. Ten right. days before, yeah, right. I agree. he probably I agree. isn't disclosing that, but the right. hay is kind of in the barn, you know. But once you get to that, draft that's right. Back to the free plus, agent. he had him yeah. in his sight. And yeah. It's Jordan so, Speed. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> and it's Jordan I'm, Speed. I'm telling Jordan yeah. Speed this, I mean, but he's here all night. It's right. not like I have to worry about right. you know him going um, out and and getting liquored up and telling right. everybody at the bar what we're doing. But back to the whole quarterback thing for a second. I'm now convinced that the best you can do nowadays is a stopgap guy for a year or two. You're never going to be able, not never, but almost never going to be able to go get your guy. Now, again, the Chicago situation is unusual. They drafted Justin Fields. They, by, by, by the weird luck of fate or whatever, they've got the top pick again, and Caleb Williams is in the draft. I, you would need all those variables. Any other variable, and Justin Fields is who they're going to ride with for a while. That variable could happen here. It, 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 Bear with me. If Trevor, God forbid, suffered a season-ending injury in camp, and the Jaguars were awful, as I think they would be. So let's say they go 2-15 and 15 without Trevor Lawrence for a full season. You're sitting on the number one pick. I mean, let's say Carson Beck is a 71% completion guy. Georgia wins every game. He wins the Heisman. Yeah. He's Joe Burrow is his final year at LSU. I mean, you're taking Carson Beck. You just are. I mean, so it's not – it's not out of the realm. It's probably not going to happen, and hopefully it doesn't happen. Right. But it can't be discounted here that if Trevor Lawrence has a injury plagued or misses the whole year and the Jaguars were awful, that they wouldn't think quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and, and it could. I'd be surprised if anything happened. I'd be surprised if anybody other than Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback here for the next handful of years. I would. But you're right, it could happen. But as I look back, I'll still say it again. I don't see – a scenario. I mean, I guess Garoppolo's back on the market, but does he have any value? He'll be back no. after the two game suspension. They're going to. I mean, he'll him. be a backup. Yeah, but, but I, I don't think anybody will make him the starter. But even if you're, even if you're the Falcons or the Steelers, who, to your point, Hayes, and I agree with it, might be pretty good next year with a quarterback. I, I get it. Though both those teams might be pretty good if they had a quarterback. So if they could land Kirk Cousins, then they're playoff team. Certainly the Steelers and maybe the Falcons. Who would you rather have, by the way, Justin Fields, so you'd have to trade for, or Kirk Cousins? If I'm trying to win now, Cousins. If I'm trying, to, but but I, but I, but if in terms of depending on where I am, yeah, I I'm think, still not sure about Fields. I'm still not there yet. I don't know what to make of him yet. I think he might be a good player, but I'm not there. I yeah. like them both. Yeah. Um, so I if too. I was Atlanta, I'd be fine with either, but I would probably be more hoping to get Cousins and not have to give up the draft compensation. Yeah. Yeah. How but, open is the window? You know, I um. 
But the point is, there's just not you, you more reason than ever. You, when I look at this quarterback list, the best free agent quarterbacks out there, you better draft well because Bay, and I love Baker Mayfield, but if Baker Mayfield's second and Ryan Tannehill's third on a list, you know, and, and, and look, I love Gardner Minshew, but if Gardner Minshew's fourth in the whole world of free agent quarterbacks, that means it's hard to find great free agent quarterbacks. Yeah, and it always will be. I mean, these guys are, are so these first round pick quarterbacks. The the team has control for so long, uh, and obviously, if the player's a star, then you're just going to sign them to an extension after they've completed their three years, and you're off and running. And you know, but even if they're tepid success, and you're like, well, we're not sure we want to pay them, but we have a fifth year option. Oh, and then we can tag them. And then we really theoretically could tag them again. So it, it leads to a scenario that if your quarterback is is decent but not exceptional right. and not a bust, then you can kind of kick the can down the road a little bit and get a little bit more data and information on is this somebody that we want to be paying $45, 50000000 million a year to. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all the quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls have been – winning for the team they were drafted, except the Tom Brady situation. Peyton Manning won a, a Super Bowl after he was a free agent. And then the Rams traded for Stafford. Other than that, I feel like it's mostly the quarterback that wins the Super Bowl is tra- drafted by that team. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk some college basketball. Big win for the Gators. No, Georgia's not a great team. They're struggling. But that game had trap game written all over it. I didn't think they were going to win. The Gators found a way again. We'll talk some college hoop uh, when we come back. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carlion, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders with you. I think this, every different, every time you win a game when you're on a roll, the Florida basketball team's won seven out of eight. It's a different chapter of something you weren't good at before. This was a game, Hayes, that I thought the Gators was a, was a real trap game. I thought they were going to lose, and that's no knock on them, nor do I think Georgia's any great shakes. But Georgia had the week off. Teams with the week off in a home game have been beating favored teams all year long in the SEC. It's been a, it's been a very clear pattern. Saturday team, the whole week off at home. The opposing team wins a big game the week before, and the home team upsets. That that's happened all year long. I thought it was going to happen again. Boy, the Gators played well, and even and even when the lead got away from them a little bit, they hung on. That was a um, that was a because of that, not because of the opponent, because of that that element. That was a big boy win. I thought for them. I thought they showed a lot of maturity and poise, and they again show hallmarks of a dangerous team because. I, a guy that you wouldn't expect steps up, uh, Thomas Houck, 26 minutes. He was the only post player that played more than 20 minutes in this game. You would own everything that I've ever even thought about owning if you had told me that on Saturday morning, that there's going to be one post player for Florida that plays 20 minutes or more, and it ends up being Houck. But he was brilliant. Uh, six and nine from the floor, obviously made the three – gigantic three-pointers that kept the game from getting really into the double digits uh, for Georgia going into halftime. So, I mean, 17 points, seven rebounds from a guy that is your eighth guy. It, it covered a lot of sins in this game. It covered, we talked about 
you know, Richard and Kugel, one of those has to play well for Florida to win. Not both. If both play well, Florida's going to beat whoever they're playing by 20. But they need one of those two to play well. Well, neither did. They combined to go 3 of 16 from the floor. Uh, we talked about uh, Samuel and Han Logden not being on the court, really, for much of this game. They only combined to play 34 minutes, had nine points uh, and six boards with eight fouls. So you got nothing from your, to me, what's the X factor of this team, which is Richard and Kugel. You got nothing from two established post players, one of which in hand logged in had dominated Georgia in the first win. And of course you had Poland and Clayton play well because God bless them. They just do every game. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing how consistent they are. So you had to have a player really go above and beyond. And it was, it was Thomas Houck. And I thought it was an excellent win for Todd Golden for him to be 4-0 against Mike White. And, uh, and again, it showed a lot of maturity for this team to be down. The game could have easily been Georgia by 12 or more at half. Uh, but they kept it uh, within distance and quickly tied it. And at that point, you could tell, uh, just from watching it on TV, you could tell the energy in the building was, I'd say, very tepid. Georgia's got really no home court. I mean, I was shocked. Because there were moments in the game where they get a stop. They're right back in it. It's like you couldn't hear any, like, noise. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, you know, and again, their their program's not very good. It was why it was so stunning when Mike White went there. But I, I did think uh, Florida showed a lot of really good things in this game. And now they sit just two games back of Alabama in the race for the SEC title. It, it is crazy that it took this long for Florida to be ranked. Uh, but, yeah, 14-4. and four. Uh, since December, since the beginning of December, I loved this tweet, Frank, from the Florida men's basketball program. Florida is 10-0 and over Georgia in the last 10 meetings. And Florida men's basketball tweeted, that's a lot in dog years. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I find that kind of stuff fantastic, obviously being a Florida fan. But, yeah, I think your tweet pretty much summed it up. You better appreciate Walter Clayton Jr. and Zion Pullen right. and what they're doing for this basketball team because – Florida hasn't had players that in clutch moments you knew if they got the ball, you could relax, and that's exactly what both of them are. It doesn't come along often. Zion Pullen, he's their best player. He's, he's, uh, he's not going to win it, but he's, he's in the four or five they're up for SEC Player of the Year, and he's really uh, in it. Zion Pullen is second in the nation in assist-to-turnover ratio, 107 assists to 26 turnovers. That's an astounding number. It's amazing. He's averaging 15.5 points. He has scored double figures in all 22 games he's played in. He's averaging almost five assists per game. He's 40% from three-point range, and he's an 85% free throw shooter. He's one of the best point guards they've ever had. No doubt. Now, they've had Moten. They've had Dan Cross, Scotty Wilbekin. The best pro to come out of there was Jason Williams. Anthony Robertson was the best scorer of the group. This Torian guy, Green was steady. Tor- Torian Green was steady. Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal wasn't a point guard. He was more of a, more of a wing. But of the true point guards they had, this guy might be, might be as good as any of them. He's a really good player. Physical. And that little mid-range, that, that mid-range game of his is automatic. Uh, what, a, what a shame there's only one year for him. Because wouldn't you, I mean, yeah, if Florida he could get, fans are begging that he has a COVID. If he year. could get the COVID <laughs> year. And could come back. I'll tell you this. I think it's available. I don't yeah. think it's not, I don't yeah. think it's like something where he has to apply for it. I think if, it's basically he just has to say, "Yeah, if he, yeah, could, I'll take it. I'll come back." If he could get, even if Samuel didn't, because they're both grad guys, if he could get the COVID year and come back, and Clayton came back too, 
They next year they're a Final Four team. I would donate to his yeah, NIL. Yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's how good he is. But I mean, he is a re- he's a really good player, man. I mean, he is. I mean, it's fun when your guards are like that. I mean, when Cross and Brown were together, it was fun. When Scotty Wilbekin and, and Michael Frazier were together, there's something about having those guards who you know can take the other guy's guard every time. Yeah, he's a. I'm telling you, man, that dude is a really real. And look, Trey Mann's a very good NBA player, but he wasn't a college player. This guy is. Yeah, you know, he wasn't. This has taught me something as a fan about the portal and living in the portal world because we've had these discussions about, well, you'll never really know your team and and how much can you really get excited for it. I will say this. This team has at least eight games left. I love this team. I do too. I love watching this team. I can't wait till Wednesday night. I don't think they'll beat Alabama on the road, but I can't wait to see them try. Uh, And so it it is interesting because – we really haven't had this as Gators fans. I mean, in football, there hasn't been much to, to cheer about, and there really hasn't been much in, in basketball. So, you know, with this being probably the third academic year where the portal is really carrying a lot of the load for roster building, like, it's the first time, like, I've experienced this. But it's, like, it's answered the question for me. Can you fall in love with a team that's comprised completely of portal players? I absolutely have. It's a great yeah. point, because I didn't know either, and I, and I have too. It's the Florida State football team from this past season. I mean, obviously, Jordan Travis was an anchor there. But for the most part, yeah, bring in all these new players, and absolutely, I can get super excited watching them and, and how athletic they are. The first time that Thomas Houck went to take a three because of guys like him, the other bigs, when they take threes, they don't, it doesn't go so well. I was like, oh, no. And so when his shot started to drop, it was like, this is unbelievable, to your point. Here's what's weird about Hauk. Number one, he's got a beautiful shot. Yeah. And they say he makes everything in practice. He can't make anything from and, the foul line. And, he can, and he's a terrible free throw shooter. How is and, that possible? And he couldn't make – well, he oh, couldn't make three-pointers either in games, but he made everything in practice. So, yeah. But he's got a beautiful he, – he could almost be a small forward because he's got that good if of a shot. If he stays at Florida, he'll be yeah. – I don't know about all conference first team, but as he develops – if he stays at – if he plays his last college basketball game – at the University of Florida, whenever that is, he will be a great player for Florida. Yeah, and I, and I will tell you this. Again, what matters now is this year, but Condon and Hauk are both going to be on the team next year. I would imagine Will Richards not an NBA player, so I would imagine Will Richards on the team next year. Uh, um, Pullen and Samuel won't be. Han Logden's on the team next year. So Han Logden, Condon, Hauk, Richard are all on the team next year. They're going to be on the team. Kugel, Kugel, we'll see. He's getting itchy. He, even he may be, he may be Scotty Lewis, even though he's not ready for the league. He's done enough, you know. I, I, so I'm not sure he's on the team. I don't think he's done enough. Yeah, no, I don't either. I don't. Either. I'm with you. I, I agree with you, but I, but I've seen guys that haven't done enough leave early because they're just. Remember, he almost went this year. But if Clayton stays, that's the big one because he could stay. He's got another year now. He's he's and he's not a first rounder. Is he played? Has he played himself into the second round? And if he is, does he go? I have to think he has. Yeah, you would think. But, but he's from Lake Wales. His dream has always been to play basketball at Florida. That's why he turned down Patino at St. John's. So keep an eye on them. But what about next year? Next year, but I'm telling right. you, they've got a foundation. And As, he has a baby now, as we've yeah, heard in every yeah. game. I mean, right. I'll donate to Clayton's and I too. <laughs> uh, as of now. Florida has climbed into the top six in the SEC, and then there's a little bit of a gap. Bama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky are all eight and four or better, and then everybody else is 500 or worse. So they've kind of climbed into that. Tomorrow, I don't think they're going to win Wednesday night. I don't think they're going to win Wednesday night. But that's also the last game 
where they'll be a prohibitive underdog. It's by by a mile their hardest game left. Yeah, because after that, well, first off, there aren't yeah. very many harder games in the nation. Yeah, than right. At Alabama, they're yeah. like fifth in the country, but yeah. So it'll be the last game they're a prohibitive underdog. They might be an underdog at South Carolina, but it'll be close. They could be a home underdog against Bama, but it would be very close. They'll be favored in the other three games, so it's the last, and, and they'll be, and they won't be a prohibitive underdog until the Sweet Sixteen if they go that far, because they just won't be. Even if even if they get in as a ten, they won't be a prohibitive underdog against the seven. They won't. They might even be favored. They might, yes. Yeah. So they they won't be a big underdog again until the second or third round of the SEC, other than on Wednesday night. So we'll see. I uh, but I, but this guy this guy Zion Pullen man Pullen and Clayton they are really really good players. I, I tweeted this as Lauren said a minute, and I'll say it again. If you're a Florida basketball fan, by now, because everything else at Florida has been so lousy, football has been so lousy, you probably are locked in. But I would tell you, don't miss these last six games, and it'll yeah. be more than that. These last, right. these last You've got a minimum games. of eight games left to watch this team. That's yeah. if they go one and done in the SEC tournament and one and done in right. the NCAA. Don't miss those eight. I mean, don't this guy, Zion Pullen and Clayton, watching them work together, and they have other good players too, but – you, again, if you if you like the Dan Cross Craig Brown thing and the Wilbekin Frazier thing, and I mean if you the in Torian Green and Lee Humphrey, this is this is two really good guards who play well together, can both shoot it, can both handle, are both physical. Uh, this this is a good card combination. Man. It, it's unbelievable. And how about Condon? You know, this wasn't a huge play in the game, but it was just. I mean, the fact that he's talented enough to do this, he hits this little baseline hook. I mean, it's that's an NBA play. Yeah, he, he's the. By the way, he's the best NBA player on the team. I'll tell you that right now. Of all the, as far as making, he's the best NBA player they've got. That was a sensational move. Really was, but I mean, he can all he can shoot threes. He made one in the game. He uh, he's the, he's, Han Logton will play in the league because he's seven one, but he'll be on somebody's bench. Um, Halk will see he's young. Samuel won't play in the NBA. Samuel will not be an NBA player. He if he 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 doesn't shoot the ball well enough. Um, yeah, if he could learn to shoot, I think he could play. Richard and Kugel will not be. I know people say Kugel's got NBA skills. He might develop. Richard obviously is not an NBA player. I think Clayton and Pullen get a cup of coffee in the league, don't you? But I, but they're not first-round picks. Pullen's the kind of guy that, like, the Miami Heat will sign. Right. He's an undrafted guy. And then you'll look up in four years, and, and he's, he's a key part of yeah, a good I, team. Yeah, I, I agree. He's that guy. He's that guy. No, I agree with you. So, But, uh, but I'm telling you, enjoy – in a year where Florida in – in a period – where the University of Florida football program, I won't say it's at an all-time low, but has felt, in conjunction with next year's schedule, has felt as helpless as they felt in a long time. Was helpless a good word? It feels helpless a little bit with Florida football. Yeah, it, yeah it, it, I, would, it, I think it, you it, feel like you're kind of punning on a season, which yeah. at Florida just doesn't happen. Yeah, it feels but like it feels like it's just a kind of a yeah. punning on it that he's they, not you they, know, because they, of the schedule. Why bring a new coach in? So they, we're just going to let him languish and they've devolved have, take into, his lumps and get fired. They've become Kentucky, Missouri. They haven't become Vanderbilt yet, but they're close. But they've 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 become Kentucky, Missouri, NC State. I didn't think again. I didn't think Florida would ever become Kentucky, Missouri, NC State, but that's who they've become. Now they could they could climb out of it, but that's who they are now. And all those, I think all three of those programs would would be, be happier today. with their program right now than Florida's program. Well, sure, today. Missouri for sure. They're a top ten team. But my, you know, my point. My yeah. point is, well, there, there's a handful of teams out there. There's Purdue and Arizona and Kansas State and a bunch of teams that are not terrible. They're not Rice and Vanderbilt, and they're never going to be Alabama, Georgia. They they sit there at spot. 28 through 48, right? 
they're, they're, would you agree with that? That they're they're twenty eight through forty eight in the country. They're not they're not seventy, although Florida might be seventy now. But I mean they're they they're twenty eight twenty eight through fifty, and that's who they are. And Florida's become that team. Yeah, I mean, of the sixteen teams in the SEC, how many of them would gladly trade their situation for Florida's? Vandy, Mississippi State. That might be it. South Carolina probably would. Yeah, yeah. So three teams. That's about it. It today. Today, yeah. today, even Arkansas, Mar- maybe Arkansas, maybe Arkansas, but not many, but not many. I agree yeah. with you. Not so many. maybe, so you're basically the worst team in quadrant three yeah. of the SEC. Nice yeah. job. Yeah. So, uh, and, that, and that's where you are. But, but again, uh, and, and watch those guards. It's worth watching other college basketball. Um, JU loses UNF a big win. I thought for UNF, UNF had to stop the bleeding a little bit. I think that they did. Yeah, and uh, Chazanier is the go-to guy. Uh, he hit. Boy, the, is he good. He's really, really good. He hit the game-winning uh, shot, and that way the Ospreys won 82-81 uh, Friday night. So, yeah, that was really key. And then on Wednesday, UNF plays host to Florida Gulf Coast. That's at 7 p.m. And then, meanwhile, like you said, JU fell to Queens 74-65. And on Wednesday, JU plays host to Stetson. So, again, that game, every game matters so much for JU. Uh, sorry, this coming Friday, that's all next week. This coming Friday, we have the Rumble. J-U-N-F, 7 p.m. at J-U. Uh, but, yeah, right now, J-U is second to last in the A-Sun, sitting at 4-9. and nine. Yeah, and, and, and again, that, that that matters, man, because, look, it, you somehow once you get in the tournament, anybody can win the tournament, you know. But you got to get in the tournament somehow. J-U right now, uh, they are 4-9 and nine in the league. They are clear, it would appear, of Bellarmine, who's 2-10. and 10. But they're but they're behind everybody else now. Hayes, they're only one game behind a number of teams. Central Arkansas, Kennesaw State, and Queens are all five and eight. That's only one game better than JU. Gulf Coast is five and seven. They've played one fewer game. But boy, oh boy, the, the margin of error is gone for JU's team. Oh yeah, it's 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 long gone. And and you look, you don't want to be the ten either. I mean, it's it's one thing to get in, but you you want to at least give yourself you know, a, a chance in that opening game. And, yeah, it, it, to me, it's, you know, can you at least get to, you know, the seven line so that maybe you're, you know, maybe it's a third rumble. And, it, yeah, I just, there's still time, but but their margin is is gone. I mean, they've, they've pretty much got to play perfect basketball from here on out. What helps them, let's hope, is the way the schedule is kind of cockeyed and they started with all those road games. They now have three straight home games, and they're a very good home team. They they have they have the Rumble Friday night against North Florida. Next Wednesday they play Stetson. The following to Lawrence Point. The following Friday they play Gulf Coast, North Florida Stetson and Florida Gulf Coast. Three consecutive home games. You kind of got to win them all, don't you? Win them all. You pretty much have, yeah. If, if and Stetson's you, nine and three. Yeah, and Stetson's that's in good. the A's And North Florida I mean, maybe very good. maybe two and yeah. one would be acceptable. Uh, anything below yeah. two and one, and yeah. it's probably over. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So obviously, Ju is also going to be watching. To your point, Frank, what Central Arkansas does, Kennesaw State, and Queens, since that's the the teams are a game behind. Take a break. I got a thought about the NBA after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Frank Frangie, Hayes Corlion, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you. RJ. Yes, sir. We got to do something about the All-Star game, bro. 
Absolutely we do. What are we doing? I mean, what are we doing? Explain to me this. I understand in in the NFL and in hockey why you can't go all out. But I don't think anybody's gotten CTE from getting a shot blocked, have they? Nope. What, 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 why does the NBA not try in the All-Star game? It's not dangerous. What are we doing? I think there are a lot of guys that, well, not I think there are a lot of guys. Let's just point out uh, one guy who was a participant in what he had to say yesterday, Anthony Edwards. He said it's called the All-Star break. This is a break. We're supposed to be having fun. Um, to me, I dislike it. I mean, you know, and I'm speaking – Kind of in this era. I mean, I was born in '95, so I'd say '95 to now. This is this is my era. I I just remember there used to be so many storylines um, that the media would hype up and the players would hype up themselves. And not saying that quarters one through four you had to be going all out, but if it was close and it's the middle of the third going into the fourth quarter, now everyone's saying, "Okay, I'm going to show you why I'm the best player or the best guard in the NBA, either East or West." It, it just doesn't seem to be there anymore. People view it as a all-star break. No one played more than 28 minutes in the game. So it's like it's it's not all that taxing. And uh, so, I, I mean, I agree with everything RJ said. And the the thing to me that is, is again, if they want to just have if, – if they basically come out and they're like, look, this is for the kids and we're not going to play defense, and fine. I mean, I think it's a mistake because of the history of the league. But, um, you know, but, but that's their prerogative. The, the thing that, that I find so crazy about how, how wild the scoring was yesterday, again, the game was 211 to 186. I mean, they almost caught Cumberland. Um, and uh, that's an old football joke. Uh, Cumberland, 222 to, to nothing. nothing over Georgia Tech. 222 yeah. to nothing. Two George, lose, lose to Georgia Tech. Yeah, nice job, Georgia Tech. Um, and looking at it, so – the Pacers lead the NBA in field goal percentage this season at 50.8%. So the best team at shooting the ball in the league shoots it at basically just under a 51% clip. Last night in the All-Star game, one team was at 55.9%, the losing team. The winning team was at 56.8%. So again, it's just like, it it should not be that lopsided. If if fifty percent is what the best team in in the association is doing, it it makes no sense that a group of of players that have just been thrown together, uh, that that have no chemistry at all, should allow fifty six percent shooting in, in a game like this. It just speaks to no one cares. And you know, if again. I'm sure there's fans that probably like it. I, I don't care either way. I'm probably not going to watch the NBA All-Star game regardless. But as somebody that was a fan of the NBA when I was younger, it was awesome that the All-Stars actually cared about winning the game and wanted to display their defensive prowess. And, and apparently that's long gone. When you make, what, $40 million a year, you're way more uh, caring about your money that you're going to make, I feel like, than you are an All-Star game. Back then, people didn't make nearly as much, and so I think they cared a lot more. Now, I mean, yeah, $40 million is probably on the low end of what some of these guys make. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not watching it either, but I thought the skills contest was fun to watch. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I'll get to that. You're right. I'll get to that in a second. The, the Sabrina versus Steph was fun. But Adam Silver's pissed. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the league, 
said the night before the game, quote, I think we're going to see a good game. And because he had implored them to not have what happened last year when nobody pays much attention, they just screw around. Well, then you got the 211-186 game. Did you see after the game, Silver? Silver said, and to the Eastern Conference All-Stars, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations. He's ticked off. Now, when the, when the commissioner's that flatly, flat-out mad about it, I could see him pulling the plug on the whole thing. I could see him. They're not going to give up the whole weekend because it's a moneymaker. And they're, and they're contracted, I would guess. Who's has it? TNT, I guess. Whoever, whoever, ESPN, whoever put it on. So you're contracted to do it. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the game part of it go away. I'm telling you, Hayes, would not surprise me if the NBA All-Star weekend no longer had a game at the end of it. I mean, again, it's probably a generational thing. I would imagine if you're a teenager and you really like the NBA, it's a sport that you've gravitated the most to early in your life. You probably like the fact that there were six, seven players that scored in the 30s. And, you know, I mean, so it's all about your perspective. I mean, it's for us, the All-Star game has devolved. And we can clearly see its regression as a competitive event. So it bothers us, and it obviously bothers the commissioner, who, by the way, I mean, we need to start talking about him. I mean, play-in tournaments and mid-season tournaments and the All-Star game's a disaster. Like, he's kind of skated by, is is not – you know, is has been I think somebody that's been of the commissioners, one with a pretty good reputation. I agree, but I think it's starting to slip. Yeah, I, and and I'll say this too, RJ. Baseball made a bunch of rules changes that were needed, and they've been applauded for them. RJ, I don't like any of the stuff the association's doing these days. In terms of like the play-in tournament, things the like play-in that. Play-in tournament, the in-season tournament, the All-Star game having two hundred points scored by one team. I I think. I don't know. It doesn't feel like competitive basketball. A lot of it doesn't, at least to me. With the, I guess, the TV contract coming up, they wanted to make sure that the players were playing, and that was one of the big reasons for the NBA 65-game rule so that guys weren't sitting out for two-thirds of the season. Um, Adam Silver's been known to really be a player's commissioner, so it seems like what the players ask and what the players want, he does his best to give to make them – feel comfortable and I I get that the the in-season tournament was a thing because you want more eyes watching games in the early part of the year when you're in October November you know to guys like us that may not start viewing really until December um, during Christmas time but you have to do something here you know with the all-star game or you know with this play-in tournament I think it's worked it's it's added a little bit of uh, drama to, you know, well, who's going to make it in? The 10 seed was just a couple of games off. You know, can they beat the 8 seed and go to the playoffs and play? It's created nice drama, but it's a complete change from the NBA that I grew up with. It's, you know, listen, it's the top 16 teams, 8 from the East, 8 from the West. If you didn't make it, you didn't make it. And uh, the All-Star game used to be the best pickup game in the world, Frank. You know, for you or for me or for Hayes, it's it's like, you know, what if – you put Jordan, Bird, and T- Isaiah Thomas on a team together, and you put them against Magic and uh, Malone. Malone, right. you know, and you put them against those guys, and they go head up and they play against each other. Like, how, how good of a game is that? Because we're not well, going to well, see here, that in eighty-two games. Well, here's the thing: if Michael Jordan's out there and he's got a uniform on, 
He's not going to let a guy shoot a free layup. And Bird. And, Bur- and Bird. And well, all Bird of them. Was, I mean, that, right. it, the generation yeah. was just different. And, and, and there should never be a be- – again, football I get. Football, the Pro Bowls, in a, and we've talked about this, is in a tough spot. With the amount of injuries, the amount of money, with CTE being what it is, with, with, with ACLs and the like, I can understand why you wouldn't go full out in a football exhibition game, which is why I think you should cancel it altogether. But I don't get it in basketball. And there's no, there's no risk of injury that is significant the way football or hockey it is. So anytime there's two basketball teams out there, they ought to be going at it. They, they, they really should. The, Look, well, I'll, I'll add to this, Frank. The thing that I dislike, before he passed away, Kobe Bryant was saying, we watch videos of you guys train and work out in the summer against each other or go to like these summer leagues and stuff point. like that, and you guys play – your tails They're off. They're going and all at it, aren't there's, they? There's Great no point. cameras. Millions of people aren't watching. But when it comes to the All-Star game, it's 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 a break for you guys. You guys don't want to take it serious. And I, I think that's probably what the crux is between fan and NBA player. We we see you in these summer league games going hard. But when it comes to the NBA All-Star game, you guys don't want to take it serious. Can you imagine if baseball did that? If some guy just lobbed up BP? Yeah. Put, put an L screen out there and lob BP to the guys? Right. Can you imagine how awful that would be? Yeah. And there's no reason for it because it's not a danger. It's not. It doesn't have the inherent dangers that football and hockey have. There were 167 three pointers taken in that game. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you cap that? Do you basically say that in the All Star game, each team is only allowed to take 50 threes, well, well, and once you reach that number, it's it doesn't do you any good to take it because it's going to count all the same. Well, the, I mean, to try to get something that resembles an actual game with defense yeah I, I think the first thing I would do if I'm Adam Silver I would bring the union reps in I would bring as many team captains as, and, and guys of influence in the league and say listen if you're not going to play defense we're not going to have the game so you you let you got to let us know we're not we're not going to do this again if you're not going to play real defense like it's a real basketball game then tell us that and we're not having the game that, that I would say and and I don't and I'll get us out of whatever contracts we need to but if you're not going to try if you're not going to play a real basketball game Save us the trouble, and we won't we won't play the game. I think the problem is they were going to get the same amount of viewers either way because there was nothing on opposite it. Right. So probably players but, are like, we don't care. But but I'm telling you, if I'm Adam Silver now, by the way, RJ was Stern well liked. I know Silver is well liked. Was Stern well liked by the players or no? I think players respected Stern. Um, I don't know if everyone liked him, but I think he was forward thinking and a lot of things in which he, he did. Was, he so was. I think he earned players respect that way, but liked as much as Silver is, I don't think so. He was more of a hard ass. Yeah. So Silver doesn't appear to be nearly as much. I, I agree with that. But I, but I would. I'd say, listen, we can make this easy. Play defense or we're not going to have the game anymore. That that and and you and can't, not you can't lie to me. You got to you gotta play defense. And we're not talking about throwing elbows as you right. go to get rebounds. We're literally talking about just Pretend. Right. Give yeah. us just on a scale of one to ten, you're giving us a zero now. Can you give us a three out of ten? Yeah. To at least make it seem like there's an illusion yeah. of defense here. It's when when all the talk about an all star game is this, you've gotten something wrong. When we're all right. sitting it's around talking about it's supposed to be this. beneficial for your right. league. I mean it's I mean, at some point they're thinking, hey, people are talking about it, yeah. even if it's not necessarily positive. But I think it's gone beyond that now. I think at one point that was it, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But, again, if you're not going to play defense, just don't play the game. Have the skills thing. I the thought skills the, thing is great. I, I thought Sabrina versus Steph was fantastic. I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was respectful. I thought it was fun. Yeah. I, I love the pre and the post 
talk about it. Yeah, and I thought it was great that she said, you know what, I'm going to shoot from the NBA 3, not the WNBA 3. Yes, she's a WNBA ball, which is a little bit smaller, but I don't think that matters. Uh, And, yeah, she showed little girls, like her entire thing was to show little girls that they can shoot just like the guys can, and I thought she did a terrific job. At one point, I thought she might win, and then Curry, of course, did what what Steph does. And then the dunk contest was fun, too. Sabrina Ionescu playing against Steph Curry roundly regarded as the best shooter in the history of the sport, mm-hmm. barely lost. The 29-26, yeah. I think it was? Uh-huh, 29-26. Barely lost to the best shooter regarded as the best shooter ever, ever. Yeah, and obviously you've seen Caitlin Clark and her logo, you know, threes right. from the logo. I wonder if she'll participate in something like that next year. You see where Jay Williams said she won't be – I can't call her great unless she wins a championship. You see that? I did not. You see that Jay Williams says she's not great? Everybody's, I guess, entitled to their opinion, well, even like, if it's way off base. Like, well, well, like like Peter King said, well, then in that case, Ted Williams, Ty Cobb, and Dan Marino weren't great. You know, I got a hunch maybe they were. Yeah. What a dumb comment. It is. I mean, basketball, I would say, of all the sports, it's and this isn't a Caitlin Clark comment. She's fantastic. Um, but I, I do think in basketball, it's why Barkley gets made fun of for it way more than I think the Marinos and, and Ted Williams never got made fun of it. Uh, because in basketball, you have such a direct effect on winning, way more so than you do in football and, uh, and certainly in baseball. So, I mean, I, I think when you're talking about a basketball player, it's certainly fair to ask if you've won a championship. But in this case, with Caitlin Clark and what she's done, no. I mean, she's obviously a spectacular player. She's one of the best to ever do it. Uh, by the way, getting back to this All-Star Game fiasco, <laughs> the least amount of points scored in a quarter by the respective club. So we, so eight, we're, we got eight numbers quarter, here. The bad quarter. The bad quarter of the game was the West scoring 42 in the second quarter. In the bad quarter. And the worst of the eight. <laughs> what was the most? The most was 56 in the third quarter by the East. Unbelievable. We'll take a break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you more about the greatest night in pop. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. All right, Frank. The Greatest Night in Pop, a documentary that just came out on Netflix, all about the 1985 night. So coming up on 30 years? No, sorry. Coming up on 40 years uh, from that famous night. What'd you think? I thought it was fantastic. You, you're going to watch it, right? <clears throat> I promise I will watch it. And you When did you watch it? Uh, last night. That's what I did. I watched it last night when uh, T. Wiggy told me about it. I thought, so. number one, Lionel Richie was the star. Mm-hmm. He had, and I didn't know this, so he was he was all the rage then. So he he's hosting the American Music Awards that night in Los Angeles, which were at the time primo, bigger than the Grammys, bigger yeah. than everything. If you want an AMA, you were big. So he's hosting it, and he's good. He's a great host. So he hosts it, and he's got all the different outfits. He performed, performed twice. Performed twice, yeah. and he wins all the awards. Best song, best album, best performance. So he keeps going up winning the awards, knowing when it's over. And I got to feel, I'm assuming now, it's on primetime live. I'm assuming it's 8 to 11 Eastern. 
which means it's on five to eight, right? Correct. And so, so at eight o'clock, that's when the real work starts. He said the whole time he's hosting this, he's thinking about he's the point guy and putting on this, this getting all these stars together, and it is everybody. It is Michael Jackson and Springsteen and Bob Dylan and Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder and and Diana Ross and I mean it's everybody, man. That that's, and and then even the people that are that are just good in the '80s, Huey Lewis and Cyndi Lauper, who weren't great but they were great in the '80s. You know, mm-hmm. man, they're all there. Steve Perry, Steve Perry, who was fantastic. Yeah, and they're and they're all and he's got to get them all together. And some are coming in and some are arriving late and some are like we talked about Prince yeah. earlier. They wanted Prince there, but he had a rivalry with Michael Jackson, so he didn't come. They wanted Madonna, but she had a rivalry with Cyndi Lauper, so so they could only pick one. Watching him talk about how they got them all there, and they had the camera guy on and the audio guy, and why, and then watching them all, the video of them laying down their tracks mm-hmm. was fantastic. Springsteen, God bless him, had been on the Born in the USA tour, which is of all the tours he's taken, that was his biggest tour. So he was just finishing up the Born in the USA tour. In Buffalo. In Buffalo. They fly him in. He's got no voice left, yeah. but he still had to sing his line. Yeah. It was fantastic. It, it really was. And I didn't know the whole thing started. <clears throat> Harry Belafonte, right. who was obviously a, a, an incredibly talented performer, so he had become more of an activist. And he had, he had gone and visited Africa, and he had seen the famine in Ethiopia, and he said, we've got to do something about this. We have the power to fix this which i love yeah and so it, it started with that uh and so from belafonte it then and bob geldof had organized was it live aid or farm aid or it was it was um bob geldof not wasn't it wasn't either one of those it, it wasn't was, but it was it something was, uh, like, bob geldof that's correct bob geldof had had um what was it called i don't know but he had organized an event right. kind of similar to, right. to help uh he was he was an activist and uh, so uh, so it, it starts with Lionel Richie, right. Quincy Jones, the iconic producer, uh, and, and Michael Jackson is where it is, is how it originated. And then it, it grew and grew and grew. And I mean, the layers of it, it, it it's fantastic. And I, I, one of my favorite parts in terms of the crafting of the song was uh, they wanted Bob Dylan to be a part of it. And so Dylan's there, and for most of the documentary, he looks like the most uncomfortable person right. in the room. Because it's not his up. thing. Because it's not his thing, and, he, and, and he's got such a unique style, and he can't sing like a lot of the people in the room can really, the octaves they can hit. And so, but they want Dylan to have like a solo. Like there was a certain amount of musicians that were going to have like a line or two by themselves, and they wanted Dylan to have one of those lines. But the room's packed. It's late, it's hot. And so they basically figure out we've got to get Dylan like in the right frame of mind. So they empty the room, except for Stevie Wonder, I think Lionel Richie and Quincy Jones. And Stevie Wonder is apparently like the greatest musical mimic alive. So he kind of starts singing it how he thinks Dylan would in sing Dylan's it. In Dylan's voice. And he Dylan did. loves it. <laughs> and so then Dylan does his part. So Stevie Wonder does Dylan doing Dylan, and then Dylan could do Dylan doing Dylan. After it was, it was, that, yeah. was, that was amazing. And the smile, I mean, Dylan just was, lights up. Right. Like it's like, oh, okay, now I mean, Bob Dylan's I get the it. greatest songwriter ever, but not a great voice. Yeah. Right. And so so that was a great part. The uh, Huey Lewis wasn't supposed to have an, an, a part. But Prince didn't show. Right. So they tell Huey, you got Prince's part. So now yeah. I'm all nervous. <laughs> and he's, and he, he was great, by the way. He but, was. But they said his. 
And and again, the people, if you know 80, if you followed it, you were too young. Even if you didn't love 80s music, you were, you were born in 82, so mm-hmm. you were too young. Hayes, you were a kid, but old enough to appreciate it. It was all the video people, all the video age. Yeah. And there were a number of people, Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauper, Kim Carnes, that were only big in the 80s. Right. But they were really big then. Right. And they, and then there was the Diana Ross and the Springsteens yeah. and the, who were big all the time. Kim Carnes had Betty <laughs> Davis. Yeah, right. But they were but they were and so Kenny Loggins was in it. Yeah. And he was talking all but it was really watching it all come together how they got everybody they got each other's autographs. Mm-hmm. They, I'm telling you it was one of the coolest things one of the coolest things you ever saw. You have to go back and watch the video now, don't you? I mean, yeah. Now, not just the show, but the video of, of all of it. Yeah, it, it was amazing. I mean, and and the reason they did it that night was they, obviously with this big awards show, they knew that a lot of mm-hmm. the artists would be in L.A. for this event. And they were like, they're not staying. We've got one night to get this right. And we're either going to get it right or we're not because these they're not yeah. staying. And uh, and it it worked out yeah. and, and yeah. obviously raised. And by the way, as, lots bi- of, lots of money. as big as Springsteen was and as big as – as Bob Dylan was, and as big as Lionel Richie was then in Journey, none of them were bigger than Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson right. was there. He, he was the king. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the king of pop was right. there. Well, Tina Turner was yeah, there. And Tina yeah, Turner I mean, was I there. I mean, it's amazing yeah. that as you start thinking yeah. about, you know, <laughs> musicians we still haven't mentioned. Yeah. I mean, it, Tina Turner. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 Paul Simon. Paul Simon was, was there. I read that it was viewed by 40% of the global population. Yeah, well, they did it all at the same time. Yeah, and right? I've forgotten they, that yeah. part. They, uh, but Lionel Richie tells a great story. He says, he said, so he got in with Michael Jackson. They would be pretty good buddies. He said, but, he said, so we, I had to go to Michael's place to start doors. Michael didn't like to drive. Right. He, he didn't, Michael didn't like to drive in traffic. So he, he, hated, he wouldn't go on the highway. He just, yeah, he, so, so Leonard, so, so um, uh, Lionel's got to go to his house. And they, those two wrote the song. Yeah, Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson wrote "We We Are the World," and it was uh, and all it was. I'm telling you, it was one of the coolest things. We're leaving out so much. Oh yeah, it was an hour and a half. Right, and it was it was all it it, it never wandered. No, it was. I mean, sometimes documentaries they wander to give you the backstory and they do a build up till the uh, till the denouement of it yeah. three quarters of the way through. Not this one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, buddy, from the minute it started. Mm-hmm. It I wonder was, what took them this long to do a documentary because it sounds like they've they had, had the, the video. footage. Yeah, yeah they did. Forty years. Yeah, they did. Good question. Yeah, I don't, but it was it was really it was really. A I love the uh, story. First off, it's really cool. They do a lot of the interviews in the room they recorded the song, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Uh, but uh, Lionel Richie tells a funny story towards the end, and again, I my respect level for him goes up a ton having watched this. And uh, he says he gets home. They they went the whole night, so they go straight from the award show to record "We Are the World," and it takes all night. So they literally are getting home at like eight a.m. So. Lionel Richie says, I walk in the house. Uh, my family's there to mob me, and, and they're, all they're, they're so excited that I've won all these awards at the American. And all I want to talk about is We Are the World. Right, it was right. like such an amazing experience. Yeah, it, it, it was really cool. It was, all night long? Took all night. Wow. Now, they, not all of them had to stay. If right. you didn't have a solo, they were able but to it, dismiss. They kept like, showing this digital clock. It was 6 or 7 a.m. when they finished. I mean, yeah. again, again it, was, it was one of the most – Popular, most well-known performances of, of great arts in the in the history of the world. Right. I mean, that's what it was, and it was it was pretty amazing the way they put it all. It, it was really good. And it how was, Lionel Richie was able to keep them all. These are the most creative people on the planet, right. or certainly among them, the top one percent of one percent of creative people on the planet at the time. And of course, they all have 
their idea of what the song should right. be mm-hmm. and what this change should be. And Lionel Richie's like, I've got to keep this thing on the tracks. Yeah. We've got one night, and the last thing we can do is start listening to everybody who's right. going to have an opinion right. on what the song should right. be. So well, there's a great part with Stevie Wonder. Right. One thing the one person said, I forget the line, but it's so true. If you've ever ran meetings or ran a company, is the last thing you want to do is say, ask everybody, what do you think? Right. That's the last. That's not the words you use. Yeah. That's the last thing you want to do is ask everybody, because then you get forty-eight opinions. The last thing. So, um, but it had rockers, it had pop artists, it had country. Willie Nelson was there. Waylon Jennings, everybody left. And he left. He, yeah. Well, he's not got time for this. Yeah. He, he was taking too long, so Waylon bolted. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was it was amazing. Country it, artists can't stay up all night. There, I mean, there were a lot of strange things about it, like that they didn't even really get into much, like. Dan Aykroyd was there. Yeah, why was now, he Now, was that Blues Brothers, yeah, I guess? One, one of the guys that... wanted him, but one of the women said so-and-so wanted Aykroyd. So Aykroyd, yeah. why so, was he there? But it's weird because, yeah. again, so, and the Blues Brothers would have come out, I think, in 80. So I don't – it seems like that's a lot of yeah. time. Yeah, it does. He was way more of an actor than he was a, yeah. a now, He musician. was all the rage in the 80s. Right. But it was as oh, an actor. Oh, he was popular. Yeah, but, but it was yeah. just like – and he looks so out of place. <laughs> he did. He's like, he had a tie like, and glasses. Yeah. He had a tie on and his glasses. Right. Yeah, he Maybe was, he performed at the American Music Awards. I don't know. I don't. No, I don't, th- I don't think so. I don't, but but it was. It, I'm telling you, you you will you will find Netflix. Kenny Rogers will, is in it. Kenny Rogers. It, it was really really good. So again, it's called uh, the Greatest Night of Pop. Uh, well worth your hour and a half if you have Netflix. Watch it tonight. I'm, th- yeah, that's my. If good. you're listening right now, watch it tonight if you get a chance. I read that they raised eighty million dollars, which in today's equivalent is two hundred and fourteen million dollars. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, and it really was. And you're right. I'm glad you said it was all started by Harry, Bal- Harry Belafonte. And when he got there, they all were so such such awe of him. They started singing his song. That's so cool. It was really. It was. It was really. It was fun. It's a really good, really good documentary. I'll take a break. Let's get it back to football after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football. Football at 5. 5 o'clock somewhere. On The Frangie Show. Jay's Carline, Lauren Brooks with you, R.J. Saunders as well. We'll get it back to football, college style. Thanks for the margarita. I appreciate that. Okay, yeah, see there? You got that going for you. Lots of salt. A lot of salt. <laughs> the, um, does Florida have the hardest college football schedule of all time? Yes. All time? I mean, I don't know what, like, Navy had in the 1930s, but <laughs> in my lifetime, following the SEC and the schools in the South, I've never seen one that's harder. I'm going to go through it. Miami in Gainesville. Give me, give me the lines. Give me betting lines. Uh, I'll say, boy, that's that's a tough one to figure. I would say, I'll say Florida, Florida two. by one and a half. Yeah, yeah. Florida two. Okay. Samford at home. Florida ten. <laughs> um, but not thirty. Yeah. Maybe, right? 10, 12? Samford? Yeah. Oh, they've got real problems if that's the line. 25? Oh, I would think it'd be okay. over 30. Okay. Yeah. Texas A&M and Gainesville? Mm. Six? Less. I'd say Florida by two and a half. At Mississippi State? Florida by four. Or Mississippi State by two, based on who how they've done to that point. Yeah. Um, UCF and Gainesville? Florida by eight. 
Take that much, huh? I don't know. I wouldn't what be surprised if it's less. I wouldn't be surprised if it's less, but again, it depends on what's gone on at that point in time. Obviously, UCF has a. a, a I'll just I'll just base all of too. these as if you're asking me if it was the season opener. Yeah. If, okay. I, I, here's if what it was I, the season opener, I would think Florida is an eight point. Okay. I'll go like this. I'll go Miami, Florida two, Samford. I don't think it's twenty five. Maybe it's eighteen. They are Samford. You, you think that that high? I would. Th- aren't okay. they division? Two? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, they are. All right, maybe I'll, we'll go. All right, twenty. I'll go twenty. In Florida almost. Yeah, I'll go twenty. High Samford not that long ago. Home against A and M, I'd go Florida five. At Mississippi State, I'd go almost pick them. Um, UCF at home, five or six, because Florida's at home. UCF will have played New Hampshire, Sam Houston, TCU, and Colorado before Florida. Okay. Uh, so they they may be undefeated. Mm-hmm. At Tennessee, Tennessee seven. Yeah. Okay. Home against Kentucky. Based, Florida by two and a half. And that's based on how the season's gone. Okay. Georgia, 14? Uh, minimum. 17? I'd, yeah. I'd, based on how the season went. Yeah. I'd probably, if I had to put a line on it now, I'd say 18. At Texas, who's ranked fourth to start the season, 17? It, yeah. It okay. Uh, home against LSU, ranked 12th. Say LSU by three and a half. Home against Ole Miss, ranked sixth. Ole Miss by one. Yeah. And at FSU. Knowles by twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much is going to. Yeah, and I, but but happen. I mean, like Hayes said, if it, if there if there if they were if it was the opener, if it was the opener. Yeah. I honestly think they will beat Samford. That's the only one. <laughs> That's that you the can only say. one. Yeah. That you are pretty confident they will win. Now, Mississippi State, you should feel better, even though it's on the road. I don't. Yeah, but I, it's a road game in the I, conference. I've got I've Florida got, doesn't. Tr- Traditionally, Florida doesn't play well and stuff. I've got, I've got home against, even when they're good. I got home against Miami, home against A and M, at Mississippi State, home against UCF, home against Kentucky. That I hope I'll pick Florida. I don't know that I will, but I mean, I'll pick them against. Obviously, you could pick them against Stanford. But if you take, I think home against Miami, home against A and M, at Mississippi State, home against UCF. I think I'd pick them. I think I'd pick them in a close one. Um, I can tell you. Uh, at Tennessee, Georgia, at Texas, LSU, and at Florida State. That's five of the seven. I'm confident I won't pick them. That's five of the seven. I'm confident five of the twelve rather. Then I'm confident I won't pick them. I'm very confident. I'll say it again. I'll give you the numbers again. At Tennessee, here against Georgia, at Texas, home against LSU, and on the road against uh, FSU. I'm relatively confident. When those games come around, that I will not pick them. That's five of the twelve. When have you ever said that before a season began? That I'm relatively confident I won't pick them. Yeah, there's so much to be determined with certain schools at this point, like LSU and FSU. I mean, we have absolutely no idea what their rosters are going to look like. But I would say, Hayes, the Miami game is so crucial because I don't know if Florida's home field advantage is as strong if Florida loses by ten, let's say, to Miami to start the season. The Miami game is is critical. I mean, it, it's it's basically I think a loser leaves town match for both schools because if Mario Cristobal loses it, with Florida having zero momentum going in, his fan base isn't going to be very happy with him either. Uh, but certainly to lose uh, the home opener in the swamp to a Miami team that is probably above average would be the best way to to describe them. Uh, it's it's going to be if he loses that game, the you can start the the clock. On at that point, it's just a matter of time for Billy Napier because his only hope of survival is to somehow 
fend off Miami, Texas A&M, don't let UCF upset you, obviously beat Samford, go win at Mississippi State, and get off to that hot start at 5-0 and that at least gets Florida fans believing yeah, you know, that, that maybe – and then if you if you stumble, I uh, you know I think that's going to be somewhat forgiven, assuming he doesn't like lose out. But I uh, but if he can get to like if he starts five and zero and then gets to like seven and five, I mean that's losing five of your last seven in the regular season. I think because of the schedule, I, particularly if Lagway is showing that he looks like he's going to be really good, then I think Florida most fans would be like we can't we can't fire him. I mean the schedule was brutal. He's obviously won at least some important games. If he wins seven games on that schedule, he'll have some nice, uh, you know, some nice resume wins. And you know, but I, it's just to your point. If Miami comes in and beats them, and they lose to A and M, he's he's it's over. I mean, he right. there's just there's no way he's going to make ground back up in the back half of the season. The, the point, the stat you gave the other day, I'm going to reiterate it. And this was Hayes' stat. I didn't realize it. According to the ESPN way too early top 25, okay, and that could, could change. We haven't even had media days for spring practice, whatever. But according to the ESPN top 25, nine of the 12 opponents are ranked. Nine. No, that has to be a – there's no stats for such a thing, but it has to be a first, doesn't yeah, I mean, it? Again, nine, I, I mean, college football is a game – where everybody loads up on three or four right. hamburgers just to get wins. Right. Nine of the nine of the twenty five or nine of the twelve are ranked in the top twenty five. Yeah, you're still only playing eight conference games. Right. So it's like, well, how did this happen? Well, it happened because FSU's back. Right. And it happened because then you decided to go out and schedule yeah. Miami and UCF, yeah. who is yeah. far from Who's a that? cream puff. And the luck of the draw, you didn't get Arkansas or Vanderbilt or South Carolina. Right. Yeah, you didn't get you didn't get those guys. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, is that the luck of the draw, or is that the schedule makers once again punishing Florida? Has yeah, Georgia been to Texas A and M yet? No, still haven't. You're still right. But I mean, I I think Georgia is the best team in the country. I do too. I think if you gave Georgia this schedule and set their over under for wins, what is it now? Ten and a half, I think, for Georgia. Yes. I think it would be like nine and a half. I mean, I think I think Georgia. I think the best team in the country, whether you want to say it's Georgia, or Ohio State, or whoever. But we'll just say Georgia because it's right. easier to picture them going up against these most yeah. of these schools. I, I think I think a, I think Georgia would be looking at like ten and two. What would Ohio State? Because Ohio because Georgia's actually on the schedule, so you'd have to flip that. What would Ohio State over and under be with the schedule? Ohio State, I think, who, who, who I'm assuming is going to be ranked. I don't know, second, I think, third. I whatever. think it would probably be around nine. I think I think nine would be the number, and I don't know where I'd go. I don't yeah, know that you've got it, Georgia and Texas. I mean, let's let's say this should is, be ranked ahead. Let's of say you're Ohio State. You just got Will Howard as a good quarterback. You got Chip Kelly calling your plays. You got a great roster because they always have a great roster. You're Ohio State. Here's your schedule: home against Miami, home against Sanford, home against Texas A&M, at Mississippi State, home against UCF, at Tennessee, home against Kentucky, neutral site against Georgia, at Texas, home against LSU. Home against sixth-ranked Ole Miss in Tallahassee against FSU. I think I think Ohio State goes eight and four in that schedule. I think I think eight, I think Ohio I think Ohio State is eight and four. It might be. I mean that's what I you asked me to predict their record. If Ohio State played that record, I would pick eight and four. What would you pick? Probably more like nine and three or ten and two. Yeah, I'd probably go nine and three because this is like 
the greatest team they've had in yeah, all, at, at right. least on paper. Right. So it looks like this could be an yeah. Ohio State team really, really, really good even for them. But uh but yeah, I mean I, I don't there's not let me put it this way. There's not a school in the country that I would pick to go eleven and one or better With against this the schedule. schedule. Yeah. There's not one. I mean, it is a it is a really really brutal schedule. So Even if, if he, Nick Saban was still at Alabama, we wouldn't pick. If him. No, I, yeah. If Nick Saban's Alabama team, I would probably get him to ten wins here, but yeah. I wouldn't pick any more than that. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's what I'm giving Georgia, who I think is the best team. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, in in looking at it, that's why I think, you know, again, we're gonna obviously, and we'll all we'll all throw out ours, but it'll be a big talking point at SEC media days, and and is the college football season gets closer what's the magic number for napier i don't know how you fire him if he wins seven yeah, on not the schedule a, on i that mean schedule, I don't particularly either. like i said if lagway looks like yeah. he could be a star if you're seeing even glimpses of that yeah i don't see how you say no we're gonna fire him and knowing we're gonna lose lagway right and and we're just gonna you know totally hit the refresh button now again i don't think he's winning seven you know i think he probably is gonna come in at like four or five so it'll be you know, a decision that I think isn't overly hard to figure out what they're going to do. But if he gets to seven wins, I hard got to fire. At that I point. don't know how you could dismiss him. I agree with you. Let's take a break. More in a moment. 10, 10, 7, 8, 2.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Time now for the Sky Life Elite Take Flight Moment of the Week. Sky Life Elite, North Florida's premier private air charter. Last foul on Kane is second. Ball's got to go below the free throw line. On cue. Look at this. Thomas Houck with his third three. He had six all season. And now the young man's got 12 points. The freshman from New Oxford, Pennsylvania. Unbelievable. Uh, what a first-half effort for Thomas Houck. And uh, that three cut Georgia's lead to 42-40 to with 2.28 left in the first half. It was gigantic. That game should have been Georgia up by 12 or 15 or, or whatever uh, going into halftime. But Houck allowed the Gators to, to stay in the fight. Obviously, they go on to win the game. When Houck hits this three, again, it was his third three-pointer of the half. I think he'd hit six all year. Mike White. Falls to the ground. Right. He can't believe it. Right. it. It's He hits it right in front of Georgia's bench. And Mike White goes to the ground because he cannot believe what he's seeing. Uh, just an unbelievable moment uh, for Thomas Houck and a great Gators win over Georgia. And, again, our friend Skylife Elite. Give him a call at 490-9332. Again, if you're tired of unruly passengers, layovers, all that stuff, canceled flights that we despise, I. Uh, Give our friends at Skylife Elite a call. You literally drive right up to Craig Airport, get on the plane, and you're on your way. Take. We need to take flight down to Gainesville and go watch a game. Charter down there, charter back. Right, Brooks? Go down there and watch a hoops game. That would be a very quick flight. It would be, be a good <laughs> flight. Our take flight, uh, we, we do appreciate our friends from Skylife Elite. By the way, you talked about the whole Mike White thing. So on that play you're talking about, Georgia had gone to a one-three-one trap. How good is Mark Wise, by the oh, way? Oh, he's really he is good. so he, he is so good. So the minute they go one-three-one, you heard that on the broad what RJ just played. When they go one-three-one, the holes are in the corners because mm-hmm. you got we got three guys across. They got a guy and and the baseline guy. If you've ever played one-three-one, the baseline guy's got to run to the corner. So typically, you use a smaller guy on the baseline in a one-three-one defense. 
because he's got to run to the corner. So that's where the hole is. So the minute he goes to it, Mark Wise goes, the ball's got to go below the foul line, meaning the corner. Boop, boop, it goes there. Mike White, now, now he's like, I can't believe they found the hole. And then he drills it. And Mike White, he's squatting already. And then he just fell face <laughs> forward to the ground like, I can't believe this happened. So, uh, so no, that was a, a great moment for Florida and, and, and a really good win for them against Georgia. It was a huge win. And I, I don't know, how do y'all feel when you see Mike White on TV? Are you like, oh, like, yeah. oh he, good boy. Like, yeah, I don't glad you're not ours well. anymore. Boy, but, yeah. boy, but Gator Twitter guy. still hates him, though, because – I mean, I'm reading Gator Twitter. They're losing their mind. You, you liked my – I'm like, relax. He's gone. You got a good young coach. Enjoy it, Gator fan. Enjoy this. Uh, and, by the way, I wasn't sure if they got – I liked Mike White. And I worried that if they got rid of Mike White, they wouldn't get a better coach. Well, they have. I was wrong. You know, they, they got this guy – I mean, what, what, what Todd Golden has done this quickly – is better now again. Mike White had him in the Elite Eight pretty quickly too, but he inherited a better program. He inherited some good players, uh, Devon, Devon Robinson, some good players that Billy had recruited were on that team. So no, they got a better guy. But no, I so so to your question, I have no hard feelings toward Mike White. It didn't work out uh, for whatever reason. I think he it was a tough challenge being the guy after the guy. I think he's a good guy. He's a good coach, not a great coach. I think he's, I think Mike White's fine. I have no ill feelings toward Mike White. I don't either. I was stunned when he took the Georgia job because yeah. it's a bad job. Right. And again, you could watch that game. They have no buzz in that building. I mean, they need a stop late. I, I mean, you you could have easily had a conversation with somebody next to you. I mean, unless the TV broadcast just for whatever reason didn't pick up the crowd, but it'd be the first basketball it's game I've quiet. ever watched on TV. Oh, very quiet. Yeah. And so it's just it's just that was a mistake. He should have parlayed the Florida job into something that would be, yeah, I think, and, better for him. But. And, he, and, he, and he let, and, and by, by his own admission, I, and believe me, I've, I've talked to a lot of people involved in that, the, the social media stuff got to the family. His wife, it really bothered him. He's got five kids. The kids started seeing it, and they said, why do we want this? It was widely known that Georgia really liked him. Josh Evans, I think, was the AD at the time, and, or, Mace, or Josh Brooks. Josh Brooks, yeah. And, uh, and, I mean, Greg McGarrity told me they really liked him. You know, it was widely known that I knew friends that knew Georgia coveted him. And jo- wink, wink, if they ever get rid of him, we'll take him. Well, the word got out that Georgia had some interest. And so he and his family said, listen, if these people hate me this much, if they want me out this much, and these people up in Athens really want me to come, why don't we go? And I, that, that's really what happened. It's really that simple. And I think some Florida people had told him, quit reading Twitter, get off Twitter, get off social media. But he's like, I got five kids. I can't tell my five kids to get off social media. I get my wife to get, you know, so that was a regard. And so he just left for that reason. I wonder if Billy Napier and his family are going through something similar. How could they not? How could they not? And Um, not that he's going to leave for a job at Georgia. But but how could he not? But I do wonder about how that is because Gainesville is, we've all lived there. Gainesville is a small town. Well, angry. And this isn't just a Florida, in fairness to Florida fans, this isn't just a Florida fan thing. In the age of social media, once you become the person the fan hates, that's it. Look at Calipari. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all the venom. I mean, he starts almost every press. They got a huge win at Auburn, by mm-hmm. the way, over the weekend. Yeah, and the I first mean, time Auburn's lost at home. Yeah, and his press conference is basically, uh, oh, you guys think I'm terrible, right? Yeah. Uh, and I can't really blame him. I mean, I, I think he's underachieved, largely. Like, if you had told me he was going to be at Kentucky this long and only have one national title, and it was 15 years ago right. now, it seems like, uh, that would have surprised me with is because he had like seven all stars in in yesterday's game, 
Um, but it just hasn't led to, you know, winning the whole thing. They've obviously had a great program and won an awful lot. But, um, but in, in getting back to Golden, this is a stat that I think really shows you what a good coach Todd Golden has at least been this year, and, and hopefully it'll sustain itself. So Florida, they did pick up an extra quad one win, not because of beating Georgia, but Pitt is continuing to climb. So the victory over Pitt, they moved from 54th to 47th over the weekend because they beat Louisville on the road. So Pitt is now a quad one win. Florida beat them on a neutral court uh, earlier in the year. So Florida's three and seven in quad one games. But the thing that's so amazing to me, considering this roster is basically completely turned over, they're 15-0 and 0 in quad two, three, and four level games. No bad losses. Just to give you an idea how rare that is, these are the teams in the country that have yet to lose outside of a quad one matchup. Houston, who's number one in the net. Purdue, who's number two, which surprised me because they just got upset to Ohio State, but that was not – that was a quad one opportunity. Uh, so Houston, Purdue, one and two in the country. UConn who's fourth and probably the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. Just and, destroyed Marquette. Yeah, and then two uh, teams that are not Power Five, San Diego State, who's 18th in the net, and Dayton, who's 19th in the net. That's it. There are six teams in the country that have yet to lose a game that is not a quad one game, and Florida is one of the six. Pretty amazing. And the, and the company's pretty good, I'd say. The company's pretty doggone good. Yeah, I, think they're, I don't think they're going to win at Alabama Wednesday night. I wouldn't be shocked if they run the table after that. Home against Vanderbilt, home against Missouri. I think they're going to win those two. Then at South Carolina and home against Alabama are hard games, but they could win them. And then at Vanderbilt, I think they're going to win that game. So I think they're going to win after Alabama. I think they're going to win three of the next five and wouldn't be shocked if they ran the table. And They if should they, at least be four and two and in they, the final and six. If, if they go four and two, then to your point, then they wind up being 12 and six in the league. And they also that also makes them twenty two and nine, twenty two and nine and twelve and six. Well, now you're a top four seed in the SEC tournament, and now you're flirting with the five or six line in the NCAA tournament. Forget about all that eight, nine, ten, eleven stuff. If they do what you just said, I think that's a six seed in the tournament. Yeah, and it's interesting looking at what the remaining teams have. Uh, we obviously we've broken down Florida's. So Alabama still has a home date against Florida. They then go to Kentucky. They then go to A&M, or excuse me, to Ole Miss, then home against Tennessee at Florida and home against Arkansas. Right. So Alabama has a brutal close. Tennessee goes to Missouri, which isn't tough, then home against A&M, home against Auburn, at Bama, at South Carolina, home against Kentucky. So a tough close for the Vols. Uh, Auburn, I think, has the easiest stretch of the really good teams. They're, they have the mini by this week. Then they're at Georgia, at Tennessee, home against Mississippi State, at Missouri, home against Georgia. So Auburn, I think, has a chance to get hot here. And, uh, and possibly, other than the game at Tennessee, I think they'll be a pretty substantial yeah. favorite in the, their okay. remainder game. How about Florida started one and three? It's amazing. The so yeah, little... I mean, do you I... think Golden went into the game against Georgia saying, Hauk is my secret weapon, or do you think he put him in a little earlier than he normally does and then was like, go shoot? That He said after the game, they asked him about it, and he said, listen, he's been playing well of late. He has, he's got great effort. And we had talked about yeah, him yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, he said he's played well of late. Again, they, they keep using the word bouncy 
because uh, he and yeah, Kanye, I like that word. But they are because they're they're very athletic. Yeah, they're very athletic guys. Yeah, how could had this was the game? What game would this have been? The game where uh, the alley oop to Kugel to Samuel didn't hit, um, but maybe LSU. LSU. Yeah. Uh, so against LSU, Hauk had in 14 minutes had only two points, but he had six rebounds and five were on the offensive end. That was the game that sort of I think woke us up to, you know, this Hauk kid. Yeah. I, I never thought he'd get this. I never thought he, that would lead right. to him playing 26 right. minutes at Georgia. Uh, and obviously him scoring it like he right. has, but he's been great in limited minutes rebounding. They're, they're very deep up front, no question. Let's take a break. When we come back, Warren wraps the program in news and notes. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show news and notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. We are going to start, gentlemen, in the world of college baseball. Frank, there was a pretty special score on Friday night as Florida State defeated Butler 11-0. That was about as perfect as it could be. That FSU, in the first game after the great Mike Martin passed away, for people that don't know, uh, he wore number 11 and his nickname was 11. Not 1-1, not, his nickname was 11. If you saw him, you said 11. Uh, what's up, 11? And the fact that FSU playing under Link Jarrett, who played under Mike Martin, in the very first the very first game they play uh, after Mike Martin's passing, they win 11 to nothing. Hayes, you can't script stuff like that any better. It was just fantastic. We talked about it, that uh, he belongs among the baseball gods, and this is the first sign of that. And I think it's, a, I think it's an omen. I believe in that stuff when it comes to sports. Uh, I think it's a great omen for the Knowles, and I think they're going to have a, a season that's going to exceed all expectations. Same. FSU also won Sunday. The game Saturday was canceled due to weather, but FSU beat Butler Sunday 15-5. to Here locally, UNF split the doubleheader with Delaware, won 9-7 on the early game Friday, then lost 6-1. to Sunday was canceled. JU won both games of their doubleheader Friday versus Cincinnati, 8-6 and 11-3. Sunday was also canceled. Meanwhile, Frank, Florida lost Friday night to St. John's 9-5 to despite a school record crowd of 7,898 on opening day, and now for the, just the second time in Kevin O'Sullivan's career, Florida starts off 0-1, and Florida, because they did not look at the weather ahead of time or listen to me, they did not move <laughs> their games on Saturday or Sunday, so they ended up just starting the entire season 0-1 as St. John's went back. Did you see Did you see the, any shots of that crowd, by the way? I did. I saw a lot did of you, shots. Did you, did you see any of the, 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 the shots of the, the highlights? It was packed, packed. So they lost, Cade Fisher got lit up. Yep. So here's what here's my theory on he that. He gave up six runs, five earned in two innings. So here's my theory on that. Cade Fisher is a left-hander, was a freshman last year, doesn't throw super hard, but he but he but he's got great control, great spots the ball. Well, he's going to tie up a team like LSU that's got all that bat speed and right, but he's not going to match up as well. The, he's your Friday night starter. He's not going to match up as well with a team that's not quite as good. Yeah, he's more. You know what I mean. He he doesn't have nasty stuff, and so I think I think St. John's put a bat on him the whole game, and all of a sudden Florida looks up and they're zero and one. They're winless. They come they come to they come to Harmon Stadium tomorrow winless. That they do. Yeah, UNF plays host to Florida tomorrow night, six o'clock. Uh, the Frangie Show will be there. Meanwhile, across town, JU plays host to Florida State. We were just talking about that team. So really good baseball tomorrow night in town. Yeah, didn't J- JU beat Florida the year the Gators won the national they title? Did. They did, yeah, because I've, I've kidded Kevin O'Sullivan about this. I don't know if you guys remember. Mm-hmm. We're out there with Sully. 
J-U-B, and, and Martineau's on our show, and Martineau asked him, he said, Kevin, does it get, you, is it frustrating that you get to Omaha every year, that you get the final series so often, yet you haven't won the thing? And, and Sully goes, look, we're going to win one. We're going to win one. I, 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 we, we get there long enough. We got one coming. I'm just telling you. Well, then J.U. beats them 5-2 to two or something like that. And I go on the air the next day and go, they may win one, but it's not going to be this year. <laughs> it was that year. And so when we had him, we had him on the next year, I told yeah. him that story. He said, so you never know. So, but, yeah, J.U. beat them, and, and the year J.U. beat them, they won the national title. So that was 2017 yeah. uh, when Florida beat LSU. The feel-good story of the weekend, East Carolina sophomore <clears throat> Parker Bird was in a boating accident wow. back in 2022, had to have his right leg amputated. After 22 surgeries, he made his college debut as a pinch hitter during the eighth inning of ECU's 16-2 victory over Ryder in their season opener. He drew a walk, and I'm stealing this from USA Today Sports, a fitting outcome for a man who surely feared he'd never walk again. Wasn't it great, dude? If you, I, I didn't see the end of it. I just saw the ovation. That uh, yeah, was I watched on it on Twitter. It was fantastic. It was amazing. He went up there with a prosthetic leg, first player to ever do it. And, and he looked like – it didn't look like this is a guy that they were they – were a charity case let him play. It looked like he, he hung in there and he drew the walk, but he looked like he could hit. And so it's good for him. Great story. Absolutely. All right, in the world of uh, college football and college baseball, or sorry, college basketball, Matt Hayes ranked the top five football basketball coaching combinations in the SEC. See if you agree or disagree. Right. Well, let me see I'm if I can guess. Let me see if I can guess. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go. Um, does he is he counting next year's teams? Texas is just this year's teams, right? So Texas doesn't count yet. That's correct. Okay, I'm gonna go. Um, Rick Barnes and Heupel. Okay, he's got I, them at number four. I'm gonna go Bruce Pearl. And Hugh Freeze. He's got them at number five. So number four for Hypel Barnes, five for Freeze Pearl. I would have gone Nate Oates and Saban, but Saban's gone. Is, does that count still or no? Saban does not count, but okay. you can put it, in Kalen DeBoer, DeBoer with Nate Oates. Okay, if you'd DeBoer like. and Oates. Number two. Okay. Um, number two. Who am I missing, Hayes? Um, bu- uh, Buzz I saw Wood. it, so I know the okay. answer. Okay. Um, so you can I help. can give you a hint. <laughs> okay, I, hang, on, hang on. Who am I missing? An obvious it's not one? a traditional SEC power. That's number one or number three. Uh, no, not them. All right, you got me. Go who? Uh, number one, Lane Kiffin, Chris Beard. Ah, miss. pretty good. And how about Calipari and Stoops? And Calipari and Stoops would be number three. I okay. think you did excellent. Yeah, I forget. Uh, Lane Kiffin and Beard's a great you call. A C. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Lane Kiffin and Beard's a great call. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, There's old the Miss basketball. They're starting to yeah. falter. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah, they, 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 they need to get going too. South Carolina and Ole Miss. They're two fading. really good yeah. stories early, but right. struggling down the stretch here. As far as college basketball, uh, this was a little bit before my time as far as paying attention, but Basketball Hall of Fame coach Lefty Dreisel passed away Lefty, on Saturday. Yeah, Drizel. Drizel, okay. Yeah. Definitely before my time then. Yeah. Uh, but he won 786 games with Davidson, Maryland, James Madison, and Georgia State. When he was at Maryland in the 70s, and Maryland and North Carolina and North Carolina State and Duke and Virginia, Hayes, that was an unreal basketball conference. It was unreal. Remember, Maryland was in the ACC then, not to be – it was unreal how Dean Smith, Valvano, Lefty Drizel, Terry Holland was at Virginia, Bobby Crimmins was at Georgia Tech. Remember that league? Yeah, Shashevsky. The Shashevsky was at. It was an unbelievable league at that point. It was the greatest league in the country. It was uh, by a mile. Yeah, it was. and uh, I mean the Big East was. I shouldn't say by a mile, but it was but, really. But good. it was the best. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was Lynn Bias's coach. Yep. Um, it just uh, uh, yeah, tremendous legacy and. Uh, yeah. Great, Lefty Drizel, the great Lefty Drizel. Yeah, I, I, he was like born I said, one I year after my mom, but he was born in okay. 31. My mom was born in 30. 
I didn't know much about him, but I saw Scott Van Pelt tweet about him and, and certainly yeah, some others. Great, legendary him. Maryland coach. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we talked all about college basketball earlier, but just to reiterate, uh, UNF did beat uh, Kennesaw State, uh, completed the season sweep of Kennesaw State on Friday night, improved to 8-5 and five in the A-Sun, and then, of course, UNF at JU this Friday for the River City Rumble, 7 p.m. JU fell to Queens 74-65, so this Friday night is a massive game. At yeah, I can't wait for the Rumble. I mean, we, we've got – I tell you, Friday's a busy day. We have our ribbon cutting – that's right. For the brand Very new Reagan Baseball Complex at Fort Family Hood. Uh, Mayor Deegan will be out there. Members of the city council will be out there. Um, a good friend of yours made the joke that the ribbon has kind of already been cut been out of the tournament. <laughs> We're going to put it back together and cut it again. <laughs> We're going to cut it officially. But then that night, the Rumble, and we have a clinic, by the way. Yes. A walk-off clinic that morning. And then that night, uh, uh, the, the, the Rumble. Can't wait for the Rumble. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, shout out to Patrick Mahomes and his wife, Brittany, who visited the kids in the hospital that were injured by the mass shooting at the Super Bowl parade. Yeah, why do people hate her? She she seems fine. I think she's. I think actually this year, yeah, her popularity I think is increased. Oh, good. Yeah, she didn't. She's fine. I mean, she's 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 a he's a wonderful guy. It seems like. Yeah. She seems very nice. Yeah. I don't know why she was criticized. You watched the quarterback, didn't she? Come across pretty well in that. She yeah, she did fine. It's more if people have seen her on social media or videos of her at games on social media. Um. She has come off a little bit as an elitist in the past, but okay. right. I, I think most, and I hate to sound generic on this, most 20-something-year-olds with hundreds of millions of dollars yeah, probably yeah, come off right. as elitist a little bit any, yeah, like in I, any walk of life. Did you see she's doing the uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition? No. I did see that. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Good for that. her that after two see. kids. Yeah, I did see that. I mean, she can work out whenever she wants. Uh, congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama. I don't know if you all were watching yesterday, but obviously he ended up going on to win. Uh, the Genesis Invitational had the lowest final round score in tournament history. With a, he, he, shot a bogey he shot a three. 30 on the back. Yeah, yeah 9 under 62. 62. Yeah, pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. We shot 32 on the front, so, so yeah. you're right. I mean, that, that's a heck of a round. Yeah, but six birdies and uh, yeah. three pars yeah. on the back nine. And that was also, a great win. It was a great win. Uh, and I was reminded, I heard Joe on primetime talking about how good Hideki Matsuyama had played here the Thursday before mm-hmm. in 2020 before That's the right. players was right. canceled. I forgot about that. Yes, and he did. So, yeah, he could certainly be someone to watch. He's probably year. the most underrated golfer on the planet. I agree with you. I mean, right. he's won a Masters. He's won the Memorial. Of the really good I mean, players, he gets talked about the least. Yeah. I agree with and, that. And I will say, like, if, if he gets hot in terms of how good – every player can get hot, but in terms of the level he can mm-hmm. get to when he gets hot, like we saw yesterday, I mean, it's it's – yeah, watch out. I, I don't know that there's anybody that can play with him when, when he is on a run like that. And it's crazy, too, because as we followed along, Patrick Cantley was leading the tournament pretty much wire to wire and then couldn't finish. Uh, congratulations also to Nick Gabrelchek. He won his ninth individual title of his collegiate career at the Gator Invitational North Florida. The team finished second ahead of USF, FAU, and UCF. He shot like 64 to be the medalist there. He's yeah. really good. Pretty impressive. And I'm sure y'all were locked in Friday night like I was to Friday Night Heights. Uh, Florida won the quad meet against number 14, Missouri, against Illinois and Lindenwood. Uh, it was a quad meet, like I said. This was this is the impressive part. This team, Florida gymnastics team, has improved its score every single week since starting the season. So yeah. they are only getting better every single week, which is great news. And, Hayes, they were able to do that without me asking about the meme on Friday. 
That yeah, I made been, a, I made a that shows, potential mistake. That's a testament to yes. the maturity of you, this Well, in overcoming adversity yes. is what that is. That was clear adversity. Florida was third on the beam in the country before okay. that meet and then improved to second in the country. So Florida only trails Oklahoma, LSU, Cal, and Utah as far as in the country. Now Florida moved up from sixth to fifth, so it was an excellent meet right. and uh, a lot of fun. And Florida has some – Really important uh, meets coming up with both Kentucky and LSU on the schedule, and, and they're both uh, top five teams, top six teams. All right. Hey, are you uh, you guys are you are you watching Lauren uh, pitch and catch report? You following the spring training? Or too early for you? No. Following a little bit, but too early for me to like look at box scores. Yeah, I still can't believe Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery don't have a team. I know. I mean, I, I mean, pitchers not having a team now is odd because you got to get stretched out, man. You know, this is a hitter's one thing. But a pitcher, I mean, the pitcher's in, in, pitcher's innings in pr- spring training are really important. I mean, most pitchers are, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be on a on a twenty pitch count, then a thirty pitch count, and then your probably your last spring start. I mean, the one where you head to you head to New York right after you, you get on the plane to go that day, you're probably gonna be at seventy, you know, and it's seventy five, and I mean, they really ramped that up, you know. So it's a uh, I'm I'm surprised. it's wild because it would basically be like one of the better NFL free agents, like, still being on the board. Right, Like, right. July 22nd. It would be. It would, and it's real. It's real. I mean, Blake Snell, he's a Cy Young winner. And Jordan Montgomery, again, I'll say it again. I know they're throwing on their own. But when you get into camp, when you get into spring training, that throwing program, I mean, I'll say this. If Blake Snell doesn't, either one of them, don't get into spring training in the next two weeks, then it'll be – a month into the season before they can throw 60, 70 pitches. So they're almost going to be an open. They're, all, they're almost going to have to wait on an opener to start. What, what, so what do you think the holdup is? Money. They, they both, you know, they both You want. think they have offers, they're just not good enough? Oh, they offers. all have. They both yeah. have offers. Oh, they, they I mean, they, everyone, the, the Yankees and Snell are the ones you see. There's two or three teams that are talking about Scott Boris, the agent, right? Yeah, for both of them. Right. He's, so, he's, he's, he's everybody's agent. I mean, yeah, they, exactly. I mean, they want, they're, they're trying to break the bank. And, uh, Blake Snell will feel very comfortable as an opener. I mean, not that he ever was with yeah, the Rays, but he, but he was on a team that constantly yeah. used openers. But I mean, so pitcher, I'm telling you, pitchers can't. You can't a pitcher. You can't yeah, show you can't up in March. That. You can't right. You can't show right. up on March 5th or March 10th yeah. as a pitcher, and you're ready to go opening day. There's it's not pot, opening day is March 28th. You know, I mean, I mean, right opening day right now is five weeks from now. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't do it. I mean, I can tell you you can't do it. Now, when will you go to a Pirates spring training game? Well, it looks like I'm going to go to the season opener in Miami. They open the That's season right. uh, the 28th of March, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're, they're, and this year, rather than play the Thursday, then have Friday off, they're opening with a four-game set against right. the Marlins. So I think I'm going to I'm going to take that week and go uh, to those games. So I'll probably get, I'll probably sneak down for a Saturday game in spring training just because it's kind of like tradition, even though they close Mixons. The art, the place of the orange. What? Mixon. I was going to ask about the orange swirl. Mixins after Mixins after seventy years, closed down. So um, really they, devastating. They, they have a it is devastating. They have a Mixins food truck that takes around the orange swirl. It's not the same. It's no. not the same as Mixins. So yeah, so yeah, the Mixins is shut down. That's terrible. It's terrible news. Or the orange swirl ice cream once saved my life. It did. did. As she was sick as could be. I remember it well. It's, uh, yeah, I had gone did. to a third world country. I had eaten the hamburger. Not That's a smart idea. The beef. Yeah, you were really idea. sick. I was really, really sick, and the only thing I could eat was or- the orange swirl. Yeah, it was saved really, my life. It's one of the last places I took my father-in-law to before Aww. we lost him. So yeah, but all mixing this shut down, which is kind of sad stuff. Folks, that's our program. Thanks for being part of it. The JU Basketball Coaches Show, the Jordan Mincy Show, comes up right now. 
Both uh, Baloo and Hacker on vacation today. We'll be back tomorrow live from UNF, where Florida and UNF get together and a college baseball game. Come join us out there. We're out of here. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Franchi. So long. <laughs>